Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. All right, guys. So I'm here with Aaron Willis and Tanner Royalty. I already can't contain my uh, my mouth right now. So, first of all, starting this whole episode off, Aaron, explain to me what laptop you're on currently and how you got it. All right. Um, first, let me figure out how to hit this because I'm a little... Okay, there we go. This laptop, no joke. I own a scrapyard. Y'all know this. This come in the scrapyard like two days ago. So I call my computer guy because, you know, I literally can't turn on a computer without myself or by myself. And uh, he's like, yeah, I can fix it. 50 <laughs> bucks later, bam, I got myself an Acer Aspire 5 out of my scrap pile. Winning is winning. Just to do the podcast, y'all. It's not a laptop. Yeah, I don't own I don't own a laptop or nothing like that. I'm not. I mean, if they still had rotary like cell phones, I'd have a rotary cell phone. I'm like the old guy, the group here, if y'all won't know this. So hopefully I make it through the whole podcast. Who knows? I might like, I mean, do you plug this thing in? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Tanner on the flip side. Tanner, how did you make it onto the right time podcast and and your email functionality? Yeah, I was rushing all day. Uh, Ate dinner at like four o'clock. So I'm Easter time. And uh, I thought this was scheduled for six. It was scheduled for seven. So I was sitting here alone at six o'clock, wondering where Kenzie and Aaron were. So that was cool. It was great. Oh, and then Tanner doesn't know how to navigate email to refine the invite. No, no, I don't. So that sets the tone for this episode. So guys, first of all, so Tanner shoots open now in a uh, three gun and then Aaron is a fellow tech op shooter. Uh, so I got to know either y'all can share or go back and forth. How did you two meet? I, I really, I've been, I figured this would be a question and I couldn't remember. <laughs> I really don't know how. So I just figured what probably happened was, you know, I've seen his name on the list of practice score right below mine a few times <laughs> and then knew, knew at that point, that we should be friends. And uh, uh, I think I actually, when we actually met him and put a uh, face with the name of the guy that was below me on practice score, um, was at Wilmore. So that's my answer. I'm not sure if that's true, but I think we actually met at Wilmore. But we're both Kentuckians. I mean, we, we run in each other's same matches, and then we have a lot of personal beliefs that are very similar. So it just kind of... And, you know, when you travel to shoot three gun, you eventually find somebody to ride with if you can. So he was just lucky to find me. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. So history has a way of changing over time. We've seen that uh, in high school uh, history books. History is what you say it is. But no, I had the same issue. Um, I actually read that first question and thought this is going to be a weird interview because I don't remember how, how we met. Um, it was probably at a, at a local club match. Um, how far is Wilmore for you, Aaron? A couple hours? About three. Three yeah, hours. So, um, Wilmore is close to where the University of Kentucky is. Um, I live about three miles from the University of Louisville. So in Kentucky speak, that's about an hour and a half for me. Um, 
but yeah, probably we probably met through there. Um, also, Rock Castle, the, the once beloved Rock Castle that every shooter that has been around more than a couple years knew of. Um, I mean, I get there. I actually travel back in time because Kentucky has a weird time zone that goes right through it. Um, and so I get to leave in game time going to Rock Castle. So um, I can leave, you know, 15 minutes late and still get there fine. But we, we met through all that. Um, but, yeah, I didn't remember. It was, you know, just the humor as you're going to gather – we go back and forth with each other and it, it ends fine. So uh, I think um, wanting to shoot major matches, you know, and wanting to travel with somebody that we navigated towards each other. So really they met on Grinder, and this is their story of how they met. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay. So uh, <laughs> Tanner, when you were below Aaron in uh, practice score here, were you in tack ops or did, <laughs> did you go straight no. to open? No. So I made the mistake that I want a lot of open shooters to not make. I bought a Rock Island. Sorry, I Ryan I Dixon. I bought a Rock Island VR80. And uh, Aaron can probably compliment my uh, malfunction clearing. It, it got to be very good for a couple of years um, until I decided that if I'm going to shoot open, I'm going to have to pony up and spend money. So I made a promise to him. He'll never, ever beat me again when I got a better shotgun. And so far, so far, we're, we're holding true to that promise. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it. they say quad loading takes time. You know what takes more time? Pulling out a magazine, racking your gun for every single shot. So uh, I don't want to speak bad about Rock Island. I've got buddies that use them fine. Mine, however, did not work. Did not work well. So, it always worked. It's funny. It ran 100% flawlessly in practice. Matches, it just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Of course. So... Aaron, are you uh, open, curious at all now, or are you sticking with tack ops? Um, blue line, I shoot hard ass. Actually, I shoot dumber ass. But <laughs> so that's that's the one place that I shoot dumber ass a lot of matches. But the only place that it's actually a uh, uh, a division is at blue line. So you're open there. So when you're open, I bought some open gear. I've got a real nice um, custom pistol that I bought, and then. Um, I shoot a Rock Island uh, <laughs> because I am, a, uh, you know, I mean, I got my computer out of the scrapyard. That shows my financial situation. But uh, we, um, I'm looking, honestly, I would probably purchase a Dissident sooner than later just because, uh, I mean, Blue Line's coming up in June. So if I order now, I might get it by June. So uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a true thing. And I like it. The problem is I spend a lot of time and energy learning to shoot my pistol and quad load a shotgun. I hate to give that up to go to open. Yeah, and you're fast with a attack off shotgun. That's probably your best gun. Yeah. I mean, win by default, you know. You know, <laughs> load quick, you miss a lot. It's hard to miss with a shotgun. Uh I can do it a lot. But uh yeah, shotgun's probably one of my favorites. It really is. Um it's just something that I gravitated toward. Um <laughs> I mean, a lot of people shoot open for the simple fact they don't want to quad load a shotgun. Me, yeah. I like the chaos of when it's going good and when it's going bad. So another thing, too, uh, uh, Tanner, how do you feel about this? You know, Aaron was born with with being blind in one eye, so not only. I know. Like, so wait, the open the open saying used to be forever. It was for old people that couldn't see a red dot. Well, I'm 29 years old. I don't wear glasses or contacts. That's not why I shoot open, but it is, you know, Aaron has a built-in excuse. He could show up to a match in an eye patch 
and just fit right in. It wouldn't be a disadvantage because he can't see anyway. So uh, I, I think Aaron will go open. Let's let's be honest. As we get later on talking about stories, we've got one from Mission 22 where he won a prize shooting open gear. Um, that's a good a good story. But no, um, Aaron's VR80 runs fine. He's one of the ones. Uh, Aaron's VR80, Sam Bennell has a VR80 that runs great. I had a early production model, very clearly. Um, and I mean, when I got it, the three gas ports of the three, one was undersized and one was only tapped. It was not drilled all the way through. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it was from the get go. I was working on that gun, trying to get it to work and it just, it didn't work, but I will compliment Aaron. Like you said, his, his shotgun reloading phenomenal. Uh, I worked really hard. I started, started open with a Benelli. It's that Benelli in the back corner there with the extended tube on it. Um, I started open with a Benelli, and uh, it really enjoyed quad loading. Got pretty decent at it. Um, there was a Kentucky Shotgun Championship for a while, or Bluegrass Shotgun Championship, something something like that. But um, got good at it, but just the time involved in maintaining that skill, I gravitated towards shooting for fun. I mean, obviously, if somebody was going to shoot um, with any type of tactical mindset, they would want a, a semi-auto or a pump gun. They wouldn't necessarily want a magazine-fed shotgun. but that's not the mindset I shoot with. I shoot because I enjoy competition. I shoot because I like to push the limits of what I can do, what my equipment can do. So that's open. Um, and everybody's got their own mindset. I mean, honestly, if, if you want to push what your body can do, tack ops is probably for you. I mean, reloading, doing all those things, but that's, that's just, I, I enjoy open more. So Aaron, how, I mean, you're born with it. So, but like, how do you see long range target and the reticle and put it all together? Because like, even with pistol, we're taught to teach, you know, shoot or open both eyes when we shoot and all that. And you just crush it. Um, I want to back up to the open thing one time. I mean, I can't, I can't get through this podcast without saying this. Mm -hmm. If, if we've learned anything from history and from facts, um, if I do shoot open, I'm definitely at least three times better than Tanner. <laughs> if you don't believe that, just look at practice score for blue line last year. <laughs> and uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, uh, who won fourth in that? Was that I think it was you, right, Tanner? I think it yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, who who took first, second, and third? <laughs> I, I think that was me. Is that how that went down? Yeah. So yeah. What he's not what he's not saying, Kenzie, and for all the, the people that watch, did people watch or listen to this or both? They both. That's why we're on video, of course. <laughs> okay. I guess well, I've got sense. more of a face for radio, so. I'm just throwing that out there right now. So does Tanner's mustache, so. Oh, I mean. I was Luigi for Halloween yesterday. We're filming this on November 1st. Um, <laughs> but I rock a mustache at majors anyway. That's my thing this year. Before every major, I trim all my facial hair except for a mustache. But Aaron leaves out the fact that I landed on a plane from Utah like the day before I drove to Blue Line. So I shot one time. He had He had some practice sessions, you know. Some, some excuses. I, I see. Okay. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll say jet lag. I, that's another thing. When you shoot open, you have to come up with a – you have to have a book that you travel with for like, hey, you know, my bipod wasn't adjusted correctly. Uh, my battery died. Um, you know, the wind was blowing funny. The range had sweat bees on it. I mean, you just got to have a list of, of excuses. That's part of shooting open. It's part of the gear requirement. So hmm. <laughs> I, I will add that he said earlier open used to be for old guys. Now I like to call it more money than talent. That's the division right there, <laughs> more money than talent. Uh, but speaking of excuses, uh, you know, the jet lag and all that, me and my one eye that beat him three times. But um, anyway, um, we, uh, no, it honestly, I was born that way. Um, 
So I never knew at a young age, my sister had trouble seeing. They took her to the eye doctor and uh, they got like a two for one back to school special back in the day. That's what they did. So they checked me and it surprised my whole family because I never showed any signs, even as a small kid, because to me, I was born that way. So it's natural. What I see out of my left eye is if you were to paint everything you see, let's just say everything was painted fresh paint and you take your hand and smear it all together. That's, that's what I see out of my left eye. So like, say if a person's in a red shirt running through green grass, I could tell somebody's in a red shirt running through green grass. They got a green shirt on, they're just gone. Um, so uh, honestly, like targets, I don't see targets out of that eye, but I was always the type that uh, they actually, uh, and this is, and I'll give this O to my dad here, um, they wanted to put me on disability when I was a kid. And my dad said, no. My dad said, I mean, they could have drew free money my whole life. My dad said, no. He said, he's fine. He didn't know it. We didn't know it. If we all of a sudden tell him at a young age that he's not able to do things, he'll yep. believe that. Yep. So my dad was always, and my mom, they were big supporters of me. And uh, I, I honestly, the only time it truly handicaps me in shooting is if I have to go left side rifle. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot figure out left side I mean, left side shotgun, believe it or not, I actually have it figured out. Left side shotgun, my charging handle. If I take my right eye and use my charging handle, if I put my charging handle on targets, I can still shoot left handed. It took me a case of shells to figure that out. But with a rifle, I just can't get into the scope. I can't get into scope. That's the other reason I thought about open. If I put a 45 degree sight on my scope, I can get over enough to use it. What if you and, took offset scope? <laughs> yeah, two scopes. Uh, yeah, and then you'd still have the right line when you got that. It's really, to me, it's more funny now. I mean, because honestly, I'm 41 years old. It's not a handicap. I mean, the only thing I have to be cautious of is definitely safety glasses and not damaging my other eye. I got one shot. If I put out my right eye, I'm blind, but, yeah. uh, but it's so funny because when I tell people, most time they think I'm just BSing because I'm a big jokester and I like the kid, oh. but I remember Tanner one time, we're sitting there having a very in-depth conversation about how we're shooting the stage, and he's like, open your eyes, if you would just look, and then he stops, and then of course we both start busting out laughing because it was, it was so funny because he's trying to get me to do something that I just couldn't do, oh, yeah. and uh but now it's like a big joke. Like anytime somebody's like, you know, like somebody will ask me, do you keep both eyes open when you're shooting? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm not seeing out of one of them, but I, I do, you know. And uh, but I think um, the, the big thing for me is I think it helps me focus because I'm like, you know, I'm not diagnosed with anything, but I'm, you know, the squirrel runs across the road and I get a little distracted. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I think it helps me to get hyper-focused when I'm shooting. And, I mean, pretty much I'm shooting what's in front of me. The other thing with, like, a pistol, I don't have both eyes fighting for dominance or anything like that. So I feel like it helps me to naturally shoot a little bit better because I'm not yep. – it's just a hyper-focused thing. So. so, Tanner, I need you to uh, close one eye and do walkthroughs of stages for Aaron's stage plans now. <laughs> So it's not only that when and he was telling that story. It also 
we just shot um, Mission 22 mm -hmm. uh, in Illinois by Matt Metzger Tank, as everybody knows him. Uh, as we get on later in the podcast, you talk about matches to shoot. That's that's one of them. It's very well ran. But there was a jungle run, um, jungle being liberal with the word. It was in a field. <laughs> There's no trees. It was not a jungle. But jungle run, as shooters know, a jungle run. Shotgun only. There was some aerial clays at the beginning. Um, Dylan Eastley just crushed the stage. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure he, he took that stage. But um, not just the the Aaron being blind in an eye, but I think everybody ought to walk a stage if you're an open shooter with a tack op guy, if you're a tack op guy with an open guy. Because I don't know how many times I'd say, Aaron, walk this with me. And I'd be like doing my count. And he's like, no, I'm reloading here. And I'm like, yeah. well, I'm not. Why are you reloading? Oh, wait, you're reloading because you don't have a 20-round <laughs> magazine. And so it's funny sometimes, like, we'll walk stages together, and especially shotgun heavy stages, there's a moment, and Aaron can probably think of moments where we separate. He ends up doing his walkthrough, and I do my walkthrough because we're both just throwing each other off. But in the end, it always inevitably ends up he walks it and tells me what he's doing, and I chime in with just ignorance normally because I'm not a tack-off shooter. And then I, I walk it and he chimes in and typically it's pretty good advice. We'll just say that um, because he as a tack op shooter. That is one of the things I think you do think about um, the inevitable. I missed a shot and I'm a shell short uh, more so than open guys. And uh, if anything gets me the most, it's shooting and missing and losing count. Yeah. And so Aaron, Aaron doesn't make that mistake as much. And that's probably, as we get to talk about open versus tack ops, that's probably one of the advantages of starting in tack ops is you learn that true discipline of shoot your shot when you have uh, a good acceptable sight picture and keep count. Yep. Uh, open has spoiled me. I, I'm working on getting better at that, but the last year has been difficult with, you know, ammo restrictions and stuff as well um, on the range. I can't go to the range and shoot, you know, 300 shotgun shells every week nope. you know, a couple of years ago uh, i'd go to the range where i reload i'm in in my gun room now where i reload i would go to the range and shoot 500 600 pistol rounds when i was really developing i've not been a shooter my whole life so when i was really developing the fundamentals of shooting i'd go to the range once a week and shoot five six seven hundred pistol rounds and um really work hard at it and this year has been weird it's been a hard year for people that are really trying to get serious about shooting, I would imagine. So yeah, that's kind of where I was at. So um, if you're listening or watching, take a drink for every single time one of them tries to compliment each other, you will be wasted <laughs> at the end of it, where it's a snide compliment. <laughs> yeah, that's part of our relationship. Um, anybody that's been around us on the range, probably at the end of the day goes, man, those two guys are really mean to each other. And him and I at the end of the day are like high-fiving, like that was fun. You know, if you leave and your abs are hurting from laughing so hard, that's a good day on the range. I that's mean, what I prepared for tonight. So yeah, um, people the, the, I want to add to that. The truth is, especially, especially with him being an open shooter, you know, gear, your stuff has to run. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the thing he said, you know, when I get a shotgun that runs, you will never beat me again. And he's, he's kept that word. And you better believe I've been gunning for him. Um, but, um, it's to watch somebody have trouble like that on this, on a stage is just heartbreaking. But even though my heart breaks, what's happening when he comes back, I'm not saying, Oh, how sorry I am for you. Oh, I'm all over him. You know, whatever, whatever excuse I can find. And that's what's so great about this sport is that this is the one place left on the planet 
where people don't get butthurt over everything. I mean, you can, I mean, there's nothing off limits. I mean, we'll talk about your spouse, your kids, your dog, your grandma. We don't care, but it comes from a good place. But I'm telling you right now, most people, I mean, just just show up to a match. The people that you think hate each other the most are probably riding together. Yeah, if you don't, and, uh, if you don't give each other shit, they don't like each other. <laughs> right, right. And that's, and you, we're all going to know. The yeah. day that I do, if he trips up and I beat him, now he has his new shotgun, it's going to be the longest ride home. I hope we're in Wisconsin or Texas or somewhere he's got to be in the car with me for 14 hours. Because, I mean, uh, funny story of this is before he got a shotgun, I beat him uh, one match, I can't even remember, but it was like a point oh 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 two six percent or something. It was something just minimal worst <laughs> oh but you better believe every time we already stop on the way home hey there's a restaurant right up here oh 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 point two six miles do you want to stop there's i mean i hit him with that all the way home <laughs> and uh he took it well but i know it had to hurt his soul because it would have mine uh but um but in in return uh i think it was uh mountain state last year we it was a time only which is horrible never have a time only match do not do that Y'all didn't go this year, right? Because of that? Yeah. Yep. I, I didn't go this year because of that. I thought that's why y'all didn't go either. We didn't, and they changed it. it At the last year. minute, they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Yep. So we might go next year. That's on our maybe list. Um, I like the people there. but That yeah, was the only cool. reason like I didn't want to go. That's the main reason. That's why we That's why we didn't go. That's why we took it off our list. Yeah. But anyway, on that story, we get to the final stage. He beat me bad the first stage. And I made up ground all day. And we got to the final stage and we were within like half a second of each other. I mean, it was, it was anybody's game to win or lose. They had one, they had this big pipe you ran through and they had these poles sticking up. And they were like, if you hit this pole and ricochet and hit this target and it goes down, it's a failure to engage, which at that match is like seven seconds. Mm-hmm. First shot I fire hit the pole, knock down a target. I'm seven seconds behind. We get the final scores, and I think he beat me by like, I think it was like right at, I mean, within a millimeter of a second. I mean, it was like seven seconds he beat me by. And so that's the ricochet that, you know, still hurts <laughs> my heart today. Uh, they but, talked the shot heard around the world. That was the ricochet heard around West Virginia. That's yeah. what that was. Um that's that's the match actually, and Aaron can attest to this. That's the match we got in the car, and I think I was googling dissident on the way home. I said, Aaron, I will never. It, it cost me open uh, an open victory in that match, and Aaron can attest to that. You were in our squad, Kenzie. Yep. Um, there was a stage where every shot I took, I had to pull my nineteen round mag out, rack a shell out, reinsert, and charge the gun oh. on every shotgun target, and. Uh, I mean, I told Aaron, I said, I will either go to TAC Ops or I will get a gun that works. You know, Rich Franco just did that, though. He got so fed up that he finally ordered his distant. He's in the same boat. Like, and and I can't compare his, that. His, his, his uh, Rock Island runs way better than mine did. But the last match he just shot with Don, where was that? Yeah. They worked themse- well, they worked themselves apart. Back to the Rock Island. If you have one and you're listening to this and it's running, do not be dismayed. But... The gun has a lifespan. It will yeah. run itself apart. And Aaron's works now, but he shoots it one match a year. So he, his right. gun might work for 10 years. But um, 
you have to check every nut, bolt, screw, anything that's threaded on that gun. Um, for instance, Blue Line last year, um, I was running my VR80, and um, most ARs, anybody that's put together an AR knows that the safety um, detent is captured, when, especially when the upper is on, on the gun. There's no way it can come out. There's no way your safety is going to come loose because it's, it's a literally it's a range safety issue if it does. The Rock Island has a relief cut, right? Where the daggone uh, detent, um, there's like a threaded bolt that captures the safety detent and it shot out mid-stage and got chewed up by my bolt. Pow, pow, pow. So I go to unload show clear at the end and my safety was doing 360s. I could just <laughs> flick it with my finger and it would go all the way around the gun. So when it was in safe, which you had to hold with your finger, trigger would not pull. But as soon as you took your finger off, that safety just rolled to fire. And I was like, this is a safety issue. No RO caught it, but I told on myself. I said, my, my gun is broke. This is not a part I have. I never imagined this would be a problem. Um, so I borrowed a buddy's gun that had a uh, – Isaac, if you ever hear this, salute, brother. Uh, I borrowed Isaac's gun, his VR80, that had ran flawlessly for him the whole match, and he had a Elf tactical, Elfman tactical trigger in it. If you have a VR80 – keep the stock trigger do not try to replace the triggers i think there's only two uh they're both garbage they do not work um somebody's i'm on a hit list now for saying that from some of these companies but if you make garbage stuff you make garbage stuff and uh his trigger went dead entirely on on the very next stage and of course it worked for him yeah. but then i used it and it broke so on that's the, the same thing that happened to me ryan who had this pcc for a year worked fine with the elfman tactical i take it to texas and the entire like selector whatever it was just snap metal in half in the lower and i was like cool yeah i think our, our buddy sam uh he was on the Marine Corps reserve shooting team um sam banal he's a good he's a good dude he lives in louisville as well another fellow kentuckian but he uh he had, i believe he probably still has an elfman tactical trigger in his vr80 but he drilled it out and is using like haze the captured pins and he did like he he's not scared to take machinery to his guns and it don't work <laughs> And so, you know, Sam, Sam's like, I, I'll just cut it off here and it'll work. Um, yeah. So he, he's got his running okay. Um, last we spoke about his gun, we speak all the time, but last we spoke about the VR80, his is running fine. But um, yeah, it just got chewed up, that, that safety plunger. How did we, what, what are we talking about? How did so we I'll, I'll get us back on track. You've digressed. <laughs> but basically, triggers are important. And I'll say one more thing I relate to you a lot is after two gun nationals, PCC failing after PCC failing at this nationals. I next day before the next match, I went and ordered my PCC that I have now for a Brecky custom. Cause I was pissed. I'm done. Yeah. If we're going to spend, let's be honest. Um, anybody listening to this that tries to get cheaply into open, you can do it for fun. But once you start traveling the distance, like you travel, Kenzie, like Aaron and I travel, like a lot of people that probably listen to this travel, a trip to Texas for Aaron and I, a trip to Wisconsin for Aaron and I, if we can, uh, a match fee, the ammo, and the trip, and the lodging, and the food, you, you're you not coming out under a grand. You're not. And so you're doing yourself a disservice by trying to spend a grand to go shoot a match that you're going to be frustrated the whole time because your stuff does not work. Yeah. Uh, and that's my advice, and it, it goes against a lot of what you see on Facebook. How do you get started in three-gun? Take what you have and go shoot. but Locally. The caveat is learn the fundamentals, enjoy your time, enjoy your time and shoot locals. But once you start investing in it is this is a hobby. No hobbies are cheap. Okay. So if you're going to start traveling out of state, 
if fun is what you're focusing on, you want your stuff to work. Yeah. And let's be honest, nobody's getting rich shooting three guns. So it's for fun. It's for fun. Right. And, um, you want your stuff to work. You invest in other hobbies, truck guys, car guys invest in that. Well, we're, we're gun people. We yeah. invest in that. And if you're going to enjoy your time, it's a dumb investment to have a $200 pistol, three magazines, and to travel 18 hours to go try to shoot a match with it when the gun breaks. Yeah. Um, not to mention you're losing time work. And I don't want to digress there, but yeah, it, it bites you. I'm burnt yes. out because I'm tired of going to these places, spending $10,000 each month and not working out. True. Um, Aaron, you put on matches in Kentucky for multi-gun. Um, and I was actually curious cause I want to talk about rule sets here, but do you actually follow a rule set like to the T when it comes to three gun stuff or do you tweak it and make it your own? What do you do? Yeah, we follow the rule set of, um, run what you brung and, uh, we'll make the rules to suit you. Uh, no, honestly, um, I, I want to give a shout out here and I know he, you know, he's old school like me, so he's probably listening. But I was blessed when I got into sport. Uh, Gary Wellburn runs Orange Rules range. Um, Gary put on the Pro-Am for years. So Gary knows what's happening. I was lucky enough when I got into sport, I looked up close places to me. Orange Rules was one of them. I went there. Great group of guys. Problem we have there is, is and I'll go and jump into this, the problem all matches are having is health. Getting people to show up, especially local clubs, getting people to show up, set up, and getting people to stay and tear down. Uh, everybody's a club hero. Uh, I run over people at my club, so that makes me a big kid or whatever, or the big guy or big girl. Then you go to majors, and these guys run over you. You know, uh, I'm lucky enough at my club, there's a lot of great shooters, um, but... I'm also lucky enough that Gary is a guy that, that wants help. He's a guy that accepts help and he's a guy that accepts ideals. Mm -hmm. Um, and I travel so much and shoot. I try to make sure I make all of the multi guns there. And I always take a day off of work to go help set them up because that's my local range. If people don't do that, we ain't gonna have no local spots to shoot. That's just a fact. Yeah. But what we do the, the match that I put on every year that now I think we're in year three or four is the two-man three-gun. And I started doing that because the three-man three-gun, you know, with the Rock Castle thing, uh, the the Rays are, or the Brian's the Rays. The Brian's aren't doing that. Uh, Brian Ray and Brian Vault, uh, shout out to those guys. Those guys are beast shooters and even more beast match directors to come up with the, the stuff they come up with. But again, those are Kentucky guys. Bruce Davison, uh, Kentucky guy. Uh, I mean, we're, I'm not saying there's not a lot of talent in other places. Missouri, there's a lot of talent in Missouri. There's a lot of talent in Texas. But when you're talking about people that are great match directors and great stage planners and designers, we're surrounded by some of the best. So shout out to all those guys. Um, but I want people to enjoy the match. My two-man three-gun that we put on, and I help with all of the multi-gun in Owensboro, but... And actually, when I travel three hours to Wilmore, I go the night before, stay all night, get up, and they set up in the morning for the matches. I go help them set up because that's my Kentucky places that I shoot. You have to support those. So if you're not supporting your local matches and your local matches are dying, you're the problem. Um, I'll get off that tangent, but that's just the way I feel. But a good example of that, the two-man three-gun this year, I had somebody, you know, 
rule set for TAC Ops says you can't run a suppressed rifle. Well, you got guys that show up with gear and uh, they got suppressed rifles, run them. It's your toys. Run them. Let's have a good time. Uh, shout out to Darren, which actually beat me last week at my home range. I'm butthurt about that, if you can't tell. No, he shot really well. But uh, uh, he's got a little scorpion with a binary trigger in it. And he's what? like, yeah, he's like, I've got this and I can't shoot it nowhere. I said, who said? And I said, this is my match if Gary's good with it, because Gary's kind of the uh, the lead guy that puts on all the matches at our club. So I respect him. He's like, let him run it. So he's out there with a scorpion, scorpion with a binary. Ridiculous. Here's the thing. That's what local matches are for, are for people to get into the sport, mm-hmm. build some of your basic skills. So let people bring their toys they spend all this money on, have a good time, and you're going to build your club. And, I mean, rules, as long as everybody's playing by the same rules, who cares what the rules are, really? I have a bigger problem in going to majors and I'm just going to say it the way it is. Sometimes you've got a jersey on. The rules are a little bit different for a guy wearing a T-shirt. I want to talk about that. Go, keep going. If you have a final thought. So, so I'm, I'm going to shout out to that because, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't wear a jersey for a reason because I'm still young in my development of becoming a decent shooter. Mm-hmm. So there might be a match. Um, shout out. <laughs> To, to Mark and those guys up there at Great Lakes. Um, I had a great match this year. Great match. Run like top three positions on every stage. Get to the final stage, and I'm number 58th on that stage. Last stage, last day, and I, I placed like 58th on that stage. I just have a meltdown. Well, you better believe when I left that last target and walked up that hill, I probably said some pretty strong words as I was walking away. I feel like once you put a jersey on your chest, if you have a, a come apart or if you have something that does not represent it well of yourself, you're representing those companies. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I'm on a little tangent here, but when you put when you put that jersey on and you do something stupid on a stage and you talk yourself into a reshoot or talk them into a reshoot just to help your score, and I've seen it happen multiple times, yeah. uh, I, I don't have respect for you as a shooter. I don't care if you win every match you go to. I still won't respect you as a shooter. Because that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, when you come, and, and 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 I'm nobody, but at our range, we're going to make rules where people have fun. They're going to be safe. But the truth of the matter is, if you keep people from 180-ing, you keep people from pointing their gun at people, you get them loaded in a safe place, you get them unloading in a safe place, What's the other rules really matter? If it's a two-second penalty, a five-second penalty, what that doesn't really matter at the end of the day because we're all playing by the same rules. But I'll be honest with you, I don't shoot major USPSA matches just because of the horror stories I've heard. So let me stop you there on the and, and talk about these rule sets. So for people listening, like there's UML, you still have three-gun nation rules. There's still clubs that have been running with those. There's USPSA multi-gun. But then there's also match directors that run a blend of a bunch of them where people don't really understand. So like when we shot Great Lakes, 60 second penalties for spinners. Well, that just knocks out all the middle class and lower shooters. Right. But then another club you go to that might be a 30 second penalty. Um, but then you're also talking about like 
uh, different rule sets that change across the board. It's very hard to travel these matches too and find that fair game. I know people, I've heard stories about um, people getting DQ and then undequed because it was their buddy and it was, oh, it was kind of safe, whatever. But as somebody that they didn't like had done the same thing, that's like, you know, go home. Or I've seen ROs that said, hey, bud, you forgot to put your safety on, but I took care of it for you. And have literally told me that. I'm like, well, if that was somebody else and they didn't like them, they would be going home or they'd have the penalty, right? So I find that like sometimes USPSA keeps it a little bit more fair because there's a little bit more structure to it. Yeah. Let me interrupt real quick. I I do. um, When I think of rule sets, as long as it's well laid out, well defined, I'm okay with it. The thing that I have noticed is um, matches that focus on speed. For instance, uh, UML has, I, I believe, a high penalty and a low penalty scoring, if I'm correct in saying that. Um, the thing I do not like, though, uh, I think there needs to be an emphasis on – everybody talks about gaming, for instance, uh, and, and a lot of gaming comes down to stage planning. If we call gaming what it is, it's stage planning. Um if, if that's the type of match we're at and it's a low-scoring match, that's okay with me as long as that's well understood by everyone. Um, there have been instances that I've seen people run past targets on purpose. I've ran past targets on purpose. I, Aaron and I both left out uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, for instance, the Wisconsin Three-Gun Championship this year, there was a stage where there were, I believe, uh, was it two pistol headshots and like a, a full-size Ipsic or something back – 40 yards on the bay and that was the only targets to take take them with your pistol reholster your pistol and run 40 yards and you add it up and you're like that's like four seconds in penalties i'm not usain bolt i'm not getting down there (laughs) so i'm starting with my rifle on the long range and i'm not gonna be winded i'm gonna sit on this platform that's fine but i do my personal preference is if it's on the stage i prefer to shoot it I'll, I'll be honest. I, it, it hurts me to leave targets and, and it matches now, now that, you know, we're jockeying for positions. We, we, if we know everybody that's, you show up to a match, Aaron and I can look at the list and go, okay, here's the 10 guys in contention. Here's the 25 guys that could get in the top 10. And hopefully a lot of times we're in those groups, uh, the categories. I like to, to think that it's equitable for us to shoot all targets. I don't know. I don't think it is. Let me, let me say that too, is I pay hundreds of dollars. Aaron, we've talked about this. Taryn talked about this hundreds, thousands of dollars to go to a match. Right. And I'm by myself most times. So I'm paying double pretty much what you guys pay. Yeah. And I show up to a match and I want to shoot that target. I, I tried every single spinner in that match, pistol, rifle. I tried, I wanted it, the shotgun, whatever, I had to do a reshoot and didn't get it a second time. But then you add 60 seconds on top of trying it for 30 seconds and then trying to get back into the next mode. And now I've just added a minute and a half. And that wasn't really that wasn't pleasant. Like, I'm not going back. I can't shoot that match. Well, for instance, but I don't like not engaging too. Like I'm going to try. And even if I don't engage, that's still 60 seconds. So why? Yeah. So spinners is where we see it the most. Let's be honest. And and I'm going to mention a story that's going to make Aaron cringe. It's going to make you laugh, Kenzie, because we were all three at this match. So spinners. for Oh God. (laughs) I know that's the target. Spinners, for instance. Cheaters um, do sometimes win. The whole story that cheaters never win is not true. Cheaters do sometimes win. So with spinners, oftentimes I've found that the penalty, depending on what what gun you're taking it with and what distance you're taking it with, the penalty oftentimes is not even – it's less than if you actually spin the target uh, for a lot of people. For instance, we shot a match that we can't speak about. It was a a super secret match. Uh, If you know, you know. If you know, go ahead and comment whatever below where Kenzie posts this if you know. Um, But – 
there was a I believe it was 200 yards. Am I correct in saying that? Nod. Uh, I think it's like, nah, it's like 140-ish. Yeah. Um, see, that, these are the specifics that Aaron and I get into. Okay. But it, it was, was, it was, but it was a, downhill, like a 40-degree angle. Yeah. It was like a 40 degree angle downhill. It was it was a it was a crazy position. So there was a rifle, rifle spinner at 140-ish targets at a severe elevation change um to be taken with rifle at the end of a stage. Um and it was 30-ish yards from the last array for pistol. Uh, so you had to run to it, unsling your rifle, and there was no good way of of getting position on it. Some guys were going prone, but your feet were above your head, laying down. I mean, Kenzie falls a lot, so her feet stay above her head on most stages. But for most of us, normally our feet are on the ground. Uh, you couldn't really get a good position. And this match had a limited amount of people because it was a secret match uh, that is better than most major matches in the country. We can all agree on um, when it's, it's not 27 degrees, preferably, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, it was 27 ice storm degrees. does make it a little tougher. <laughs> 27 degrees and an ice storm, um, but I was ROing, uh, and it was an honest mistake. Aaron's still bitter about it, but we all agree it was an honest mistake. I'd been ROing and um, running people up this really slick hill. There's a bunch of shotgun and just fighting to do that over and over and over again. And Aaron's actually, I believe, the person that relieved me from the timer. Uh, two shooters before I got up there. Well, I'm freezing cold. I'm wet. And somehow I ended up on the last stage on the unload show clear with my rifle. I, I stowed my rifle mag. Typically I do it in a pocket, but where I was bundled up so heavily, I stuck it in my mag pouch. And so when I'm making ready for this stage, I feel a normal equipment check, which everybody's got their run through. They do. And I've got a rifle mag. I'm good to go. Um, I was not good to go. Uh, I took all the shotgun, got to the pistol, and and I'm pretty quick on my feet, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. I just seen Aaron. You didn't get the spinner over. I was ROing Aaron. He could have. He could have though. I, I'm pointing it out, but he could have got it. He actually tried to take another target behind it. There was a target tucked in behind it. So when the spinner went up, he tried to take it, and then he lost momentum on it. He but nobody got it to frame it. Nobody in the match spun it. Not a single person. Um, I get to the spinner. And as I'm approaching, I unsling my rifle, pull it off, pull this mag out. And as I go to stick it in the gun, I notice I saw a follower. <laughs> Never what you want to see is a follower. Matt, I don't have one bullet, not one rifle bullet. It's completely gone. And I had only taken one mag. Um, that's a mistake. That's honestly a rookie mistake, but it was freezing. I cannot emphasize how cold it was. It was the last stage. We're all dead tired. We just want to eat. Um, I had one mag and I pulled it out and I have no bullets. So I start yelling. It's a helping match. Just like blue line. Bring me a mag, bring me a mag, bring me a mag. Well, I'm a hundred ish yards from the nearest person down a hill in the ice. Mm-hmm. And uh last shooter, last shooter of the match uh, as well. And so did not get a mag in time. And the mag they brought me, if you remember, Aaron was like a 20 rounder who brings somebody a 20, who carries a 20 round mag when you've got a spinner. So they brought me a 20 rounder and Aaron looked at me and he was like, dude, don't. Just, just take the penalty. And I took the penalty. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still mad about it. But um, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. I don't mind rule sets, but if you can skip. And a lot of that comes to stage design. That stage, it, they reshot that match, I believe. I don't think I made it or they had planned on reshooting it. Um, we were at Lucas Oil right here when they reshot it. And I believe I, that. I can't, I can't say where I was at because that was another super secret. That was a a second secret match, but um, it uh, they reshot it, and I believe that spinner was either removed or put in the center of the stage because that's how you that's how good match directors work through stages. Honestly, is get your your shooters that you know are are um, 
seasoned as far as shooting majors and know what to expect and have them shoot through your stages. And they changed that because they realized, hey, that's not a good design. That you what, if, what if we had a comparable thing where it was like spinners, like a penalty. If you didn't spin it, it was lesser. It was like 20. Still, still brutal, right? 20 seconds. But if you do not even engage it and try to engage it, I think that's like an unsportsmanship thing. Or maybe it's like a, a non, you know what I mean? Like there could be a penalty for that where it forces you to at least try. And then if you don't get it, you don't get it. Doesn't USPSA call that like a failure to do right or something? It's um, like conduct. Probably. Yeah, there's certain stuff in there, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Different. yeah. So I, I'm for making it like Aaron said. If it, you know, rules don't matter to us. We always, because typically Aaron's driving, typically I'm riding passenger. And oftentimes, over over half the times where we go to a match, Aaron will say, hey, pull up those rules. Yeah. And we'll kind of touch, you know, there's some key things we look for. Um, you know, what's the what's the penalty for failure to engage? Is there a penalty? I mean, some rule sets, there's not even a penalty for failure to engage. It's just a non-neutralized target. Um, look for that. Look for slug rules. That's oftentimes what I look for. Look for long range. Is that a elevated penalty? I don't I don't mind it. But back to I think the core of the conversation, of what Aaron said is local matches in general need to keep it approachable for the average shooter because let's be honest the culture we live in now shooting is hard to do for one because it's hard to procure the supplies i mean ammo primers stuff like that for the last year year and a half has been really hard to get um guns have been alienated as these bad things that just go on rampages and kill people or that kids pick up in a house unattended mm-hmm. and accidentally shoot their sibling i mean guns have been viewed poorly i mean we just saw an anti-gunner shoot on a movie set and kill somebody and injure somebody else. I mean, so local matches in general need to be approachable for your average shooter. And we need match directors that can move past their ego to do that and bend, bend some rules if need be. We all play by the same ones, but let this person shoot. Majors are a different story, but. But if you spend thousands of dollars and there's only like 10 to go through throughout the year, right? It's just, it's brutal sometimes going to them when you're like, I have no chance. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Um. If I can, just a couple of key points here. Spinners have to be high value, super high value, because if not, then you game it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a good shooter 20 seconds to flip it if it's a 20-second penalty. So it's so as a match director myself, I understand the hard part. The problem is you've got to be careful when you put a match together that you don't do so much of what you love that yeah. it bites yeah. mid-packers. Because uh, – Bruce is really good at how can a mid-packer do, even though he puts on five-minute stages that are just brutal, <laughs> will 85% of my mid-packers complete this? Yeah. If not, I failed as a, as a match director. That's, that's the way he feels. Okay? That's smart. The, the other thing I want to hit on, Chad Francis did something at Gen 3 this year that I super respect. There was a problem, and this guy had a jersey on that had the problem. To me, being there on site, it should have been a, you messed up, you get the 60-second penalty, blah, 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 takes him out of contention to win this thing, right? What Chad did was, because I was there when it happened by the radio and everything, Chad said, give me the details. They gave him the details. He said, okay, here's my ruling. Now we'll come to the site and we'll talk about it. And I asked him, I said, Chad, why'd you do that? He said, because if I show up and it's you, you know, and he pointed at me, he said, man, you have been buddies. Mm -hmm. 
he said, by not knowing who it is, there's no prejudice or no. And I thought that was a really cool ideal yep. that because it's just like being in a court of law. Let's just say that if you or Tanner show up against somebody I don't know and I've got to make a decision yep. and it's close, I'm going to lean toward people I know. That's just whether you want to admit that or not. That's just human. That's just a human nature thing. So by doing it like that, I think that's important. And um, I also want to, I like challenging stuff, but the problem is if you make something that your top 20 people like yeah. and your other 80 people don't like, you're not going to have a match for very long. And it's important to remember that as a match director. And that's, I put all, on three some, of us, all three of us did that this year. Like I'm not, we've named it, but I mean, like we didn't have a chance to come back. I mean, you're, you guys are going against each other, right, Aaron? I was going for high lady. Well, when you lose 240 seconds in penalties and you've got to make that up over 12 stages or whatever, and you still like, I was short, like 20 seconds. I made up a lot of ground, but there's no way with percentage and time. That's, we wrote it off. We put it in a maybe we put in a, we're not going to go do that again. Cause we just spent a lot of time and it's not really worth it. I remind myself in that aspect, though, um, I am competing against Aaron, but not really. I'm competing yeah. against myself. Yeah. Um, and when you mess up, listen, it's I and I've, I've told Aaron, I think the last match on the way there, I said, I have no expectation for myself. I want to have fun. You know, when you lose sight of why you do it, this is not a job. This yeah. is not a job. It's, it's a it's a privilege, one, that we get to do it. Uh, and I hope that privilege sticks around. <laughs> but it's a joy. I, I want to have fun at doing what I'm doing. So when those times come, I've told myself, Aaron's seen me high and Aaron's seen me low as far as attitude goes. And I hope that he sees me enjoying myself, enjoying life more than, than sulking. And you give yourself an opportunity at the end of a stage to go, okay, I got 60 seconds where I'm going to go. What just happened? <laughs> like the wheels fell off the car. What happened? And then, you know what, after that, I'm reloading mags because I have the opportunity to shoot the next stage, you know, and it sounds cheesy, but we take ourselves back to even when we talked earlier, we take ourselves too seriously as a sport at times. We're competing. I'm competing against you, Aaron. I'm competing against the people in my division. But in the end, it's about competing myself. I like putting I like putting my body under pressure i mean that's that's it um in weightlifting and different sports they call it time under tension that's what that's what causes improvement it's what causes advancement in your life and so like in for instance weightlifting time under tension is how long you're doing this exercise well i don't want a life that's not under any pressure any tension at all because at that moment you become complacent yep. and you become stagnant and that's not what I want to be. So yes, I'm pushing myself at these sports, but there has to be that middle ground you come back to and you go, I love life. Right. This is great. Um, rule set. Eh, we'll figure it out. That's, that's okay. Um, but the opportunity to shoot the opportunity to be around the best people in America yep. is something we get to do all the time. And I, I try not to put too much pressure on myself because of that. This is an opportunity to be around some of the best individuals that I've been blessed with. So it I want to add one one more thing to this. Uh, local matches, if you're running them, keep it fun, and your new shooters are important. I want to say the first time I showed up at Owensboro, didn't get the best instructions, just to be honest. They said, everybody go load your shotguns. I went and loaded my shotgun. I'm talking full, <laughs> one in the chamber, whole thing, put it on the table. I walk up, hand them the shotgun. We do it, get all the other guns ready. That's awesome. Goes, Make your shotgun ready. I'm like, it's ready. <laughs> they could have, 
they could have sent me home at my first day. The shell comes flying yeah, out. <laughs> I would have. But, but to their credit, you know, I mean, this is a local match. It's not a major. You should have your stuff together for you go to a major. You should. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but they didn't send me home. If they would have sent me home, would I have stayed with the sport? Right. Would I have put yeah. the time and energy and now match drag and do things for the sport? Help set, you know. So it's important to think about that. Don't, there's no need to, uh, so to, to be to arranged. Cool. Yeah. Like yeah don't, don't, if, if you're there to DQ people, stay at home. The other thing, um, if you go to a major, read the rule set. If you don't, that's your fault. Yeah. I mean, I people get upset with me because I'll point things out afterwards. They'll be like, and I can almost tell you the page it's on. I read the rules from front to back. I know them better than the people putting on the match because mm -hmm. you need to. Yeah. You need to know those because sometimes you can abandon a gun, run back, and get your chest rigged. Yep. Sometimes you can't. Wisconsin, you can't. I can tell you that right now because <laughs> my chest rig was back there on the table and I couldn't go get it. But uh, um, but some places you can. Other places, if you drop a chest rig while you're running, that's stuff on the ground. That's a penalty. Yep. Uh, I seen I seen somebody take a big hit at the pro am for dropping equipment while they're running down through there on purpose. I mean, open shooters can do that. Why can't? But if you if you drop a shell caddy, you can drop fifteen magazines, but one shell caddy. Uh, but anyway, um, so know that if you're the other thing is to buddy up i mean you know i'm not with tanner because he's a good guy he's just tanner. uh but uh you know buddy up with somebody because it, it makes the matches funner i mean i'll be honest if i go to a match now especially if i gotta drive anywhere and tanner's not with me i don't enjoy it nearly as much because i mean i don't have a chance to beat him and that may be his trick to why you know, I haven't beat him now. He's got his new shotgun. He quit shooting as much. So, I mean. If <laughs> Aaron, I had another question for you, though, on inclusivity. Um, for the competitions that you're putting on locally, too, and I know there's ammo limitations. I know that's, for me, like, it hasn't been a problem. For most of it, it hasn't been a problem because we're prepared-ish, right? But then there's also those new shooters. It's a horrible time to get into it, but we still want them out there. So, how have you changed, like, round counts versus, like, more technical stages where it's more difficult rather than just burner stuff? Or have you? Um, if, if anybody is putting on burner stuff right now, uh, you're a horrible person. Um, uh, I, I like in normal times, I like burner paper. Who doesn't, you don't have to shoot good. You just got to pull the trigger fast. Right. Uh, it makes us all feel good. Cause we all of a sudden we think we're John Wick because we can hit paper five feet in front of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I really, I put, I put probably 50% of my time this year in my two-man three-gun match in ammo. And to do that, you have to do weird things. And I'll tell you, one of my – the first stage, I had a couple of guys look at my first stage and almost leave because they were like, this is nuts. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is a local, and I and I spell this thing out as backyard barbecue shooting with your buddies kind of because it's a helping match. It's so – but the way I set the stage up was a sniper always has a caller, right? I mean, it, any military thing, you got the sniper, you got your spotter. So I went with that and we had cards. We had 12 targets and we had cards in these cards. So you're flipping through. So you shuffle these cards and your caller starts calling targets, target six, target four, target three. Well, somewhere along the way, all of a sudden you whip out this card that says shotgun. Well, now you or your buddy has to throw five clays in the air and you have to shoot these things. 
Then you go back to your rifle, target one, target eight. Then there, you go to pistol because, and I wanted that the scenario that you're a sniper, then you got people charging, you got to defend yourself. So it was 12 rounds of, it was 12 rounds rifle, five rounds pistol, five rounds shotgun. Sounds like a very lame three gun stage, right? Mm. Everybody loved that stage because it was, because it was so funny. Because to watch people underdress, try to figure out what, and and I didn't go evil. I didn't go Bruce Davison where I shuffled up. I mean, it was one, two, three, four, five, six. You couldn't. But uh, fathers and sons shot that match together. We had one that I can't remember who this was, but apparently somebody was hard of hearing. So <laughs> they're standing over them, and it's like target eight. You could hear them six bays up with other people shooting, and it was. We laughed. It. There were certain times we laughed so hard during the stage that the shooter had to actually quit shooting, finish laughing, and start again. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, when you have to change things, you you stumble upon something very creative. And that's that's when the genius of the Bruce Davisons and some of those guys, you know, come into play. Yeah. And I'm I'm a Bruce fan, if you can't tell. <laughs> of mentioning were, a, a blue line though was that that um numbered stage or the shoot house where you have the buddy that team stuff was freaking hilarious because scott i'm videoing and i wish they would send me the video scott's going in there and brad's the shooter scott and like it's an even number and scott's like b57 i was like that's a fucking odd number and he's like never mind don't listen to me i'm in it he's not even the shooter and under duress he can't he can't figure out it's it's amazing what stress does to people and that's i i wish i could emphasize that enough um, that you do some of the most awkward, dumb things you've ever done just because this little timer goes off. And the average shooter, that's why I do think we need the inclusivity that you were talking about to push the local shooting sports, especially in young people. Um, 4-H did that forever. I don't know if they still do, but like pushing shooting sports because standing on a flat range and punching holes in paper, people can get very proficient at that in a very short period of time. Because it's not hard if you apply the fundamentals of good sight picture and a good trigger press, all of those things, stance, you're fine. But then you get out on a range and the timer goes off and suddenly you've got people trying to insert magazines backwards. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it. We saw a shooter in, where was it? Missouri in our squad, a girl, a female shooter, Erin, you'll remember, that over-inserted a magazine the wrong way and locked her entire pistol up on an all-pistol stage. Oh. Yeah, and this is a seasoned shooter. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so to have experience on the clock is, and like Erin said, fathers and sons, like, that's bonding. We Obviously, the safety rules we want to enforce. We want you, weapon handling, gun handling is super serious. Yeah. The rest of that on the stage, like Aaron said, you break a 180, you're gone. We need to have a conversation. You, there's things that are not acceptable, but some of the stuff we harp on the most are is kind of silly, kind of silly on a local level. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's I, I had a I have a local club to me that does a tactical pistol match. That's what they call it. Um, <laughs> and it can be irritating at times, but I try as often as possible to go and, and RO this match. And I've had guys walk up in their full competition rig and I'll look and I'm like, is there a magazine currently in your pistol? And they're like, yeah, it's my carry gun. And I literally had a guy look at me one time and say, strap, stay strapped or get clapped. And I was like, but who's out here trying to shoot you? 
no one unload the gun please like christ we're, we're about to go onto a stage this cardboard's not shooting back you i'm going to give you warning before you need to load that gun go ahead and unload it but it's the learning this the education of that because here's the fear you've got people that they're prepping and planning for all this crazy stuff to happen they have no experience safety wise yeah. and never had someone sit with them at a match and go through what it is to be a safe, responsible gun handler, safe, responsible athlete in a shooting sport. And they're more harm than they are good. Yep. Uh, they, they endanger themselves, the people around them, their kids, their wife, their husband, whatever at, at home. And um, we have a responsibility past our sport. I yep. think that as shooting athletes, we have a responsibility that, that goes past our sport. It's um, influencing the culture of the people around us that this is fun. This looks super crazy. You watch it on Instagram because you only get the good clips. You watch it on Facebook. You only get the good clips. It looks super crazy. It looks like John Wick blasting paper three yards away. But there's so much behind the scenes you did not see that went into that. And um, we're not superheroes. Also, if you see someone post a stage name or a stage number in a video, open your practice score app, search said name, look for said stage, look at the no shoots, the mics, the procedurals, and all of the things that the FTSAs, they're there. Okay. I've seen that. And I had a, I've got a video from Owensboro from this weekend. That is boss. I mean, it looks awesome. Yeah. It cost me the match. That's how Darren beat me because it was a 30 second run with 12 seconds worth of penalties. Uh, because when I got to the end, that three foot paper right in front of me, yeah, there was a couple of, of whiffs. Uh, there is one rule set that I think ought to be universal, and I can get behind this, and it's definitely not uh, red dots and tie cops, but uh, it's uh, helping matches. I think every match ought to be a helping match. I agree. Here's the, here's the simple fact You're, I, I'm going to safely call myself and Tanner 10 percenters. We go to any match anywhere, I think we're going to be in the top 10% of our group. If there's 200 shooters, we're going to be in the top 20 shooters in our divisions. If there's 10 shooters, we might have a chance of winning it. Uh, but we're going, to be, we're, going to, we're going to be in the top 10% of our division about anywhere we go. That's comfortable to say. Um, so I'll be in bottom third, so they're talking about me when they're about to talk. Go ahead. But, but no, you're helping matches. Let, let's let's call out let's call out the big guys. Let's call out the the John Waddells, the Dylan Easleys, the guys like that. They're shooting so fast, so precise. One, they're not going to hardly ever run by a target. Yeah. And two, if I try to help them and point that target out, it's going to screw them up so bad and slow them down. It's going to hurt them. But you know, all your mid packers that are walking by targets are doing something small. And, and I'm not just talking about shooting abilities here. Guns oh go God. down. Firearms. So just okay. follow me. I know so, it's going to follow, but follow me the rifle. Right. I mean, shotgun. maybe another one. <laughs> I mean, Kenzie's a testament to, you know, I mean. Guns don't work under pressure, guys. Fucking yeah. test yeah. firearms. They don't work. So, uh, but, you know, jungle, it's, it's inevitable. If, you're, if your shotgun's going to go down. Okay. And I'll use, I'll use Caitlin on this. Caitlin was having some shotgun trouble. Her shotgun's running fine. No problem. She's having a good match. You know, she's a junior shooter. Just she's killing this match. She gets halfway down a jungle run and shotgun just dies. Okay. We're halfway down a jungle run. We're a hundred yards from anywhere. By the time I run back, get her a shotgun, run back. She's fell so far down the, the prize table. Yeah. But it hasn't, it hasn't hurt. I mean, it 
she hasn't stole nothing from nobody, in my opinion. Go get that kid a shotgun and let her finish the stage. Um, you're the other thing is too when you start talking about getting in the top ten percent, hiccups are expensive. You know, ten seconds can be three or four positions at some matches, even more than that. Um, so by the time somebody runs back and gets them a chess rig or another mag or whatever, it's it's taking them. So to me, I mean. I think helping matches ought to be the the standard. And, I mean, that's I, – I just think it is. There's so much time – I think it would bring more shooters into the sport. And yeah, it's not yeah. going to help – it's not going to help your great shooters because, I mean, if if some chucklehead like me hollered at John Waddell, you missed a target. Well, it's probably because he had a plan to run down, shoot all them, run yeah. back, do some kind of cartwheel, and shoot this target <laughs> just because – he wants to, and that's the way he's stage plan is. So, so this summer too, I went to a match where like juniors could be coached, but only juniors. Um, how many juniors do y'all know? Like Dakota and Logan, these shooters that are in the top 10 anyways. So it's, it's great, but that's similar of like, well, they, a lot of them don't need it and they can run faster than any of us. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Everybody was talking. I, I told Aaron, so at mission 22, they do a, uh, the prize table was by percentage of your division. Yeah. So like, for instance, I can get, and this happened last year. I don't remember the exact place. So if y'all go check practice score, I'm, I'm apologizing. This is just for illustration purposes. Let's say I got third in open. Aaron got, let's say he gets fifth in tack ops. Overall, I might be in front of him, but he shot 92% of the tack ops leader. And because John Waddell is an open, I I got third and shoot 40% of his ability or something ridiculous. And so he's like sitting in the trunk, like or the truck honking the horn, like walk, let's go, let's get back to Kentucky. And I'm like, I can't because uh, nobody in open except for John's walked yet. And so it, it's kind of funny. This year it was a sigh of relief um, because I believe John has been picked up by the Army Marshalship unit yeah. at basic. Um, and the Dakota are both gone, so the top shooter. <laughs> yeah, so we wish him all the luck in the world, but I can't say we're all sad to watch him walk away for a while because it gives us open shooters some relief. Yeah. It's like, man, if I just went and shot limited or something, like give me a red dot, put it on my gun, I'll get to walk, especially at that match, I'll get to walk really early <laughs> and not have to sit and wait. But I, back to what Aaron was talking about, the helping match, I do think that's how we keep – um, mid-pack shooters and new shooters, not just mid-pack, because that it's not it's not an insult to be called mid-pack. It means you're enjoying life. You're doing what you want to do. But let's be honest, adults have jobs and, and sometimes you just you're not finishing the top 10%. You're not finishing the top 25. But um, it also sometimes gets some humor. So that VR80 goes down at Blue Line. Um, it's not mine. That's the one I borrowed that immediately broke. And um, tra- Travis Fitzpatrick, he's a good dude. He lives in Indiana. He's in my squad, and he hears him yelling shotgun, and it's because Bruce has this long alleyway of shotgun targets, left and right, left and right, left and right. This is last year's match here, and uh, Travis Fitzpatrick runs me as dissident. Well, I'm used to VR-80, which has got an AR-style mag release, so I'm just blasting away. I'm like, man, I feel awesome. This is like you know, high-speed, low drag, and then I run out of ammo, and I'm like, got to drop the mag. How does this work? Because, <laughs> yeah, so right here. It's a push. It's this thing. And I'm like, I don't even know how this works. It's not my gun. And so everybody's laughing at me. So Travis leans forward and drops the mag and 
hands me the other mag and goes, now you have to insert it. And so all the way down that shotgun, I would shoot, 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 shoot. He would drop the mag. I'd insert the next one. Shoot, shoot, shoot. shoot. <laughs> That's awesome. So back when Rock Hard was still a thing at um, uh, Rock Castle, I watched people load other people's shotguns. Brian Nelson from uh, Tactical Performance Love Center yeah. running next to people. Just they would flip their Benelli over and he'd be like, whoop, whoop, there you go. You've got four more shells. And it just makes for a fun experience. No, you're not going to, if you need help, you're not winning the match. So that's not even what it's about. Uh, people make it about like, oh, it needs to be equitable to everyone. If you need help, you're not winning. It doesn't matter. So um, let's let's make it fun. I, I do enjoy a good helping match. It hurt my heart this year. Aaron made a joke at himself already in Wisconsin. I'm filming him, and as the stage starts, I'm like, he has no shotgun shells. <laughs> he needs shotgun shells. I can't do anything. Haven't and you it, done that before, Aaron? <laughs> no, this was the first. First one. This I know someone first. that's done that before, and I can't remember who it was. But yeah, full chest rig was like sitting on the table, and he. Yeah. Only oh, it was loaded. His chest rig was loaded, and it was like ten oh, feet. Oh, I know. Yep. Yeah. Hey, on, on that though, to show you how much people give each other crap, but yet respect each other. <laughs> Bluegrass Shotgun Championship. Shout out to Tobin here. <laughs> Tobin shows up to my stage because I'm helping RO with Jack and and uh, Dwayne, and. Uh, he goes to do his first quad load. His chest rig is on upside down. So, man, I rode him about this forever. Like, anytime I got a chance, just, you know, really bringing it up. The first person I text messaged mm -hmm. when I forgot my chest rig was I was like, hey, Tobin, you know what's worse than an upside down chest rig? No chest rig. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, you, you got to, I mean, I wasn't happy. Yeah, but there was there were some juniors in my squad that I got mad respect for. I kept my cool, tried to be a good example of them that things are going to happen. Yeah, and uh, it it hurt. It moved me way down the prize table. Uh, but with that being said, hey, you're there for the prize table. Yeah, you're, you're doing this wrong. Don't yeah. get me wrong. First time I walked the prize table and had a chance to grab a gun. I mean, I was pounding my chest. You know. Uh, thinking that I was doing something big, you know, because there's a lot of time, energy, money, and practice that goes into this. So when you finally do get a chance to place well in a match, it feels good. But What's the problem like? is, can you share that? <laughs> but the problem is, after that happened, um, my next match, some things went wrong. You're mad. And I didn't handle myself great because, and shout out to Jack again. Jack looked at me and Jack said, Aaron, you're taking this way too serious. Mm -hmm. And it, and it kind of leveled me back out to realize that, you know what, if I show up to a match, if I make the top 10, good deal. If I make the bottom 10, things happen. The most important thing is to have a good time because honestly, I don't remember what place I placed at most matches, but I remember the funny stuff and the good times and the jokes, you know, just like that, you know, just like it, it's two man, three gun this year. Guy forgot a shotgun shells. I've heard stories and stories of them guys quad loading for him. I was excited. I was like, turn it over. I was in there quad loading for him. And this is a guy that's loading shotgun shells one at a time. Oh, my so God. For him turning that over and me quad loading, he was he was so excited. Yep. And uh, so that that's what it's about. That's what the sport's about. You know, we, we've talked a lot about finishes and different things. But the truth of the matter is, you know, no, nothing against any of the other shooting sports. 
Yeah, we better uh, get to funny stories at some point. I am trying to keep us on track, but when you're talking people, three gunners are the best people mm-hmm. on the planet. I mean, truth of the matter is, if you're a new shooter, show up to a match. The problem is most people won't because it seems so daunting. it seems so daunting. But I don't care if all you have is a pistol. If you have a pistol, a holster, and a couple of mags, try to find some ammo. But even if you can't find no ammo, show up to a match. I guarantee somebody will hand you a $3,000 rifle, the ammo to shoot it, even in these tough times, shotgun, chest rigs, whatever. And they're like, here, let me help you. I mean, just don't, just don't borrow from me. But um, yeah. no, just don't loan anything to Kinsey unless you want it. Check the warranty. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, check the warranty. That's that's our sport. I'm sure every person you've had on here, Kinsey, I've caught a few of them, but every person you've had on here has probably said, like, if you want to get started, just show up. Aaron said a, a pistol and a holster. You don't even need that, really. If you've just got a interest, ELS belt. ELS belt helps. <laughs> well, no, I'll give you my belt. It's got a ratchet on it. I mean, you know, there's someone at this match most likely. Inner belt. Yeah. Well, there's someone at this match close to your size, and I don't think I've ever met anyone at a match that will not loan out equipment. And it's crazy. It's funny. Like there are things in my life that I cherish. I try not to hold on to material stuff importantly, but there are things in my life I cherish. My competition guns aren't those, but they're probably the most expensive things I own. It's like, I'll, I'll buy this expensive whatever and run by and throw it in a barrel like it's done something wrong to me. You know, I like just toss it in there. I, I, I bought them to be worn out so I can buy them again. That's That's exactly what, and that's our sport. And to summarize that whole section, like what Aaron was talking about when he did forget his chest rig, uh, compliments honestly to him because he mentioned it to me. We talked about it. He was upset. No one else in our squad knew that Aaron had a bad day with that because right. there were, there were juniors in our squad that, that him and I both, but especially him um, really kind of take some mentorship over. And that's a compliment that shows somebody that's level-headed. It really does. Um, and that's a hats off compliment, like with no snide to it. Because but don't take a shot for that one. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, don't take a shot for that one because I give I give a genuine compliment because him and I we're we're realistic enough with each other. He was like, "Dude, that sucks," and yep. we talked about it, and we had conversations about it that night. I mean, no one else in our squad. He had that. He had that moment where he was like, "That's great," and then it was fine. No one else in our squad would have picked up on that, and that's what our sport's about. It really but is. Tanner, Tanner wanted us to move on three minutes ago, but Tanner's still talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I can't. Okay, no, but but any final thoughts on that before I ask the fun questions? No, let's let's hit let's hit some fun questions. We've been way too serious, man. I I mean <laughs> No, we haven't. No, we I, haven't. I feel like I feel like we're fronting a little bit because I mean I I know I had to miss some jokes along the way because there were some, <laughs> some shots I could have took. Okay. But all right, you two goobers have traveled all across the country together. Um, we've met up for, for several uh, meals and stuff, and it's just been a really fun time. You guys play stay in some really sketchy places, but I have questions I want to know. I'm going to see who answers honestly. All right, Tanner, Aaron, who's cleaner? Honestly, we're both pretty house broke. I mean, we... it. I mean, now when I bought my new truck and he tried to drop a wrapper in the floorboard, I almost kicked him out. But besides that, we're we're both pretty house broke. That's that a lean in. That's, we got, that's not y'all's doing. That means we either got good wives at home or bad ones because we got to do everything. I won't say, but uh, 
Uh, I'm so I'll sure move on before my wife might listen to this. That. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're both. I mean, we both shower regularly. Uh, if you ever want to come hang out with us, we try not to have gnats and flies. Um, we both shower. Yeah, that's that's what that comes down to. We're both pretty clean. So if, uh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> He just said we shower regularly if you want to come hang out with us. Together. I want to clarify, nobody's showering with me. Whatever, <laughs> I mean, except for maybe Tanner. I mean, that is kind of a thing. Uh, but uh, that's actually like a, I do want to, I'll go ahead and bring that up since I said it. We were somewhere, a big group, and uh, like we went back to our place. Me, him, and Sam, Bedell showered and beat everybody at the restaurant. They had all had their own hotel rooms and their own showers. They're like, how did y'all I'm like, when you all jump in at one time, you know, <laughs> but uh, so it become like a running joke, but I just wanted to comment there. He just invited everybody to jump in the shower with him. Got to point that out. I couldn't let that one go. Well, he has the mustache. So somebody's going to drop the soap. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Who, who farts more? Uh, in the truck, Tanner, 100% in the camper, probably me. <laughs> That's probably accurate. Can't argue. <laughs> argue i mean let's be honest we, we both have an opportunity to be away from home and act uncivilized for you know part of the day at least when we're in the vehicle together because we're both honestly like teenage kids so you know it's that yeah I can, oh, I can yeah I, i'm gonna say right now if you were to give two teenagers a hundred bucks to buy junk food <laughs> and give them the keys to your vehicle and tell them to take a trip that is us <laughs> I mean, when we get in the when we get in the truck together, it just. I mean, when you're on the road for hours and hours and hours, you you get delirious, and it. I, I'm just glad that there's nobody watching. I'll put it that way because it gets carried away. Especially like here lately, 2021. Every match, I felt like we ended up driving through Indiana and Missouri, and I've never seen the like the windmills in my life, and so it's like Aaron. I'm pretty sure we saw that windmill like two hours ago. You know, everything looks the same. So it does. There's a long stretch that Aaron and I drove, I think, three times, four times maybe this year where you just, I mean, it's almost like you're in another dimension because you're like, it says we're going 80. I can't tell that we're moving. This is crazy. So, yeah, it's, we get delirious. We listen to music and tell jokes and stories, and it's, it's a good time. Yeah, if you don't have somebody to travel with, find somebody to travel with. For sure. Right. For, so, all Illinois, for all the Illinois cops, we were 70, speed limit. I don't know where he got 80. We were 70. <laughs> no, we're in Illinois, he goes to jail. So, Illinois cops, we salute you. Thank you for your job. Oh, my God. We're coming to that. Um, <laughs> I do have to say, Tanner deleted the best video that would have ever been on the internet to date. <laughs> So I come up, or I'm at the super secret match where it's a frozen tundra. My truck's parked in his driveway, and his drunk ass decides to move my my truck. <laughs> Aaron, I don't know if you heard about this. He's going to get in the truck, and he grabs onto the wheel, and the door. I can't tell the story. And he slides under the truck. He slides under the truck. To the other side, the ring doorbell or whatever catches all of this. Fucking <laughs> deletes the video. Yeah, so Kenzie, Kenzie backs in my driveway, and this this secret match we shot. It, it, when we say it was twenty seven degrees, that's on the high side. It was cold, mm -hmm. and uh, all three of us shot it, so we can attest to it. But for our listeners, it was cold, and my my driveway super icy. 
and she was parked in front. And I live, I live in the city of Louisville. So I'm like, Hey, your truck might get hit like on the road. Let's back it into the driveway. So I back it in the driveway. When I get out of the truck, she's got a lifted truck. I'm in Crocs and I set my foot down on the ice in my driveway and it just starts sliding. And all I can do is hang on to the steering wheel because I've got one foot out of the truck and it's sliding up underneath the truck. And I go as long as I can. And my body's just being, you know, engulfed by the bottom of her truck. My grip breaks and I hit my back on the ground and slide all the way under her vehicle and set up on the other side, on the passenger <laughs> side. <laughs> Slid all the way underneath, set up like, did anybody see that? No. Well, my doorbell, my, our, our camera caught it. And so I came back in and I, I mean, I, I had to tell a story. I, if you can't take a joke, uh, you need to learn to do that. Make fun of yourself. It makes that video, fun. Tanner, you would have been paid. YouTube would have paid it. <laughs> Facebook would have bought it. Dude. Yeah, I, I think I think you missed an opportunity there. But, you yeah, know, when you when you have a spouse that's fixing to start making big money, you don't worry about those things. When you're poor <laughs> like me, you would be selling your videos, you know. But, you know, when you're. When you're when you're just a, a trophy husband, you know you don't worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I digress again. I had to share that one. I I cried laughing. Um, I think I've forgotten about that. That's what's so funny. When I thought about you asking funny stories, I'm thinking Aaron and I have enough that we we couldn't tell them all. With, and it, they poke fun at each other. They poke fun at ourselves. I hadn't even thought of that one. So that just goes to show. <laughs> The life experiences you get if you join the shooting sports and develop friends, um, you get a lot of moments to laugh at yourself. Oh, it's bad. So you guys uh, tell jokes, listen to music. Who listens to the worst music? It's this. This is funny because this is Tanner's thing. I mean, that's what he does for a living is music. Me, I can't even clap in tune. That's a fact. Ask anybody in my church. I have to like look over at Sister Becky and see how she's clapping to clap into I mean, that's fact. I got no rhythm I got no I got no soul I got none of that <laughs> but honestly we've kind of settled in that we listen to a lot of the very similar stuff and uh god bless satellite radio I and mean, we hit satellite radio a lot and uh and Tanner tries to enlighten me and it's funny because he goes off on all this music talk you know and he's telling me why this song sounds this way and this says this way and I'm over there like I don't Nerd. know who the Spanish guy is right here, but he's speaking Spanish because I don't know what he's saying. So it's actually pretty funny. And uh, yeah, well, this and is a lot of 90s, a lot of 90s, early 2000s, uh, radio rock um, rap that was acceptable on the radio, some that wasn't. Uh, and then uh, like Channel 12 satellite radio, it's like acoustic whatever on Sunday morning. So usually the ride back, we're listening to all these songs in just an acoustic version, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is what just a guitar am i getting that right yes but uh so uh so it's pretty cool i mean but we really and honestly i mean honestly it's like it's it's like two teenage friends when we're on the road together so if somebody decides all of a sudden we're going to listen to something else they change the radio and the other guy just deals with it hmm. you know i mean it's so pretty cool which one of you uh drives faster i don't let him drive much i mean yeah, he doesn't uh first off uh i'm not a control freak but to me eight hours is kind of my limit so like we go to wisconsin he drove some then but to me it's it's get on the road and go we both do well we don't do a lot of stopping we don't dilly dally. i mean like if it's an eight hour trip home when we hit the road coming home we're coming home we don't stop till we get home (laughs) and uh so 
but I mean, he drove all right. Do you, he guys, was, do you guys have water bottles in your vehicle? Nah. That have a nah. yellow liquid? Oh, no, nah, just, just open the door. Um, We're not in the uh, It's nasty. <laughs> but uh, obviously, Tanner was like the only person besides my wife to drive my new truck that I was super proud of. So he, oh. he drove it. And uh, so we lived because uh, I was like, you know, I hate to kill him for wrecking my new truck, but that is an option. So uh, time limit here. We've got 30 minutes left. I have a couple more questions. You're going to get in the stories. Right. But who's the pick your eater like on the road? We, we're not picky, either of us. That's an easy answer to that question. If it, if it was once alive and it's now dead, we'll eat it. So what's some weird stuff that you guys buy when you stop at a gas station? Mm. Nothing really. No. Anything weird, Aaron? He, he drinks it's, Dr. Pepper like a daggone fiend. That's a lot of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, but no, not really. Uh, gummies. Yes. We, uh, pretty much. If you got beef jerky for their for your protein, you got some gummies for some sugar to keep you going, and yep. some crackers to fill in somewhere in between. I mean, <laughs> we're we're good. I mean, that's 20, we can live on that. And 41, that's what it looks like. It's the same thing. Um, all right. Road trip stories, boys. Remember, 30 minutes. I still have more questions. Okay. I'm going to lead off. I'll take over. I know where this is going. <laughs> so we shot uh, Mission 22 uh, two years ago. And there's really, um, it's kind of between two cities. And you have to pick one of the two cities to stay in. We picked the wrong one. And, you know, as in we, he, he was in charge <laughs> of this hotel. Let me yeah, go ahead. It was, it was, it was me. Um, we picked the wrong one and we stayed in a motel, not a hotel, a motel. Not nice, not nice. Um, and it was right in the middle of COVID too. So even the check-in was weird. They're standing behind plexiglass and, and we're also, I, they're standing behind plexiglass. And I'm, I'm, we're in Illinois. That's where the match is. So I'm like, I don't know if that's actually bulletproof glass or plexiglass. What are we scared of? COVID or bullets? I need to know right now. Like, let me know. But we, we check into this place, and when we pulled in, there were busloads of migrant workers that had come <laughs> into the area, I guess, to take care of the fields, um, which is fine. But also, at the same time, our room was very far removed from our vehicle with all of the stuff in it. And, and you know how it is, especially being in Illinois, too. Yeah. It's like, man, I got to get this stuff to the room, but I don't really want people to know what I'm getting to the room. We get to the room. Uh, these migrant workers, by the way, are getting off the bus and they're all ready for a good time. Like every single one of them has their bag and like a 30 pack of the cheapest beer you can get. Uh, well, you know, they had, there was Bush Light, PBR and all these things. They're getting off the bus and we get to our room. And the first thing we notice when we shut the door is you can hear the wind coming through. And Aaron was like, hey, check this out. And like you could almost stick your fingers through the door jam and the door to the outside world. Like you could, you could spy on people. You didn't need a peephole. Somebody knock on your door. You just look through the gap. Like I can see you. And, um, so everything's fine that night. Um, I, I carry a Glock 19 most of the time. So all our competition stuff's in, in the room packed up. None of it's loaded clearly. Um, but I take my carry gun out at night and set it on the nightstand. And I've got the, the door furthest from the, uh, entrance and then i'll let aaron pick up on the story because he was the only one awake to experience it he you know i was his protector he was the meat shield closest to the door i had the gun we're gonna tag team this we've got it and then that's not the way it turned out so aaron you want to pick up on that okay first off if you're empty chamber carrying you're a dead man i learned this this night because i have all my competition gear by my bed 
So I just have my, I just unzipped my ARs there, magazine close. I'm thinking he's going to suppress fire. If anything goes down, I'll load up and just, you know. Um, they were so, ripping off. They were partying when we got back to go to yeah. sleep. I mean, they were, they were having a good time. So because, so my guard was down a little more because I'm like, you got a battle buddy, right? You don't have to be so prepared. You got a battle buddy. Anyway, about three o'clock in the morning, all hell breaks loose outside our door. There's 30 to 40 people screaming, shouting in a language that I don't understand. And if I could have understood it, I probably couldn't have understood it because falling up against our door, up against our windows, I mean, just all heck has broke loose. It sounded like a riot outside our door at three o'clock in the morning. So, but Tanner's in, asleep. Instead of rolling to grab my AR, I kind of glance over on my good side, by the way. Um, the eye I can see out of um, to check to see what Tanner's doing. He is sound asleep, and there's done been 15 people drop kick our door. Uh, is what it sounded like. I see his clock 19, so I just grab it, lay down on the door, and just wait for somebody to come through the door. And I figured, first shot, maybe he'll get up and help. Um, so I'm laying there, locked on this door, ready for stuff to go down, and all of a sudden it hits me like a ton of bricks. It was a skunk smell. I'm talking a skunk smell so bad that it wasn't, nobody was having a good time. I can do that. It was a legit skunk. Um, anyway, so this goes down and this skunk smells so bad, it'll make you vomit. Yep. So at this point, I realize there's an animal out front of our door just to attack somebody is what I put together. So I reholster my battle buddy, the sleeping or his gun, put it back on the nightstand, cover my head up and try to get the smell off so I can go back to sleep. I'll pick up now because this is my off. So he goes to sleep. I have no clue that any of this has occurred. All I know is I wake up about 3.30, 30 minutes later, and our room is full of this stench. And I woke up, and in a groggy state, I'm like, my throat burns, my eyes burn, <laughs> my nose burns, the room's on fire. And I, I'm getting out of bed and getting low. Like, we got to get out of here. The room's on fire. And I'm like, Aaron, Aaron. And he, he comes awake. I'm like, what is going The room is on fire. And he goes, Skunk spray to Mexican idiot. It covers his head. <laughs> and so here I am laying there feeling like somebody's rubbed my face with an onion in the middle of the night. And uh I missed I missed all the commotion. I mean, we we amp ourselves up. We think we're John Wick shooting paper from three yards away. When it when I had the opportunity to be John Wick, man, I was asleep. I had no opportunity. So Aaron, what about the non-round in the chamber? I mean Cause I had my AR there, right? I'm thinking if something goes down, I got time. He's going to cover me. I got time. So there's no need to have to unload this thing in the morning and all this. But apparently, I mean, we should for two big gun guys that, you know, are it badass according to ourselves in our own mind, you know, we're superstars in our own mind. Uh, that night, if anybody would try to get in, we were dead ducks. We oh, were, yeah. we were goners. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what's the old saying? This stuff will get you killed in the streets. Uh, we almost, you know, but uh, I'll, I'll close that story out by saying we get up the next morning. And when you walk out our door, you would think there were two of them workers sitting there because they 
whoever they were, they stripped off everything right there. Vest, shirt, boots, underwear, everything hanging right there together. So I'm assuming when they come around that corner where a hotel room was, the skunk was sitting there, sprayed the first couple in line, and all heck broke loose. So there's a couple of uh, migrant workers that had to strip down to their <laughs> nothing and go back and take a shower before they go get in the field at three o'clock in the morning. That's kind so of no matter how bad you shoot at a match, you didn't get sprayed by a skunk going to work <laughs> in a field at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so in uh, in Illinois, this one's just making fun of me. Um, Illinois Mission Twenty Two a couple months ago, we're shooting a stage and. Um, Aaron's filming me. Um, I think DeBarro was our RO. We get to the very end. He said, unload and show clear. I unload my pistol. And I'm thinking, I missed my morning routine. And at, I know there's a porter potty 50 yards away. And so, like, I end with my pistol, unload and show clear, holster. He's Somebody on the other side is dealing with my rifle. And he says, you want to unload and show clear with your shotgun? I said, you can. And just ran. I got to get to the porter potty. They were like, you know, they're chasing you with a tablet. Like, will you sign off? Will you sign off? No, I've got to go. So, uh, yeah, that's an, that's another funny one. Uh, West Virginia, they had the stick sitting outside the uh, outhouse that they wanted you to hit the outhouse with to scare the rattlesnakes away before you went in. Didn't use the outhouse, clearly. Um, it was really gross. I had to because I'm a female that has to. <laughs> Did There's you no the other stick? bathroom options. And then, like, Great Lakes, dude. No bathrooms stuck in the woods. Yeah, yeah. That not fun. Yeah, that's that's got to be fixed there. Uh, uh, shout out to them. I mean, they've they've caught a lot of flack. First year was a lollipop. Second year was spinners. But shout out to Mark and those guys if they're listening. Uh, they're really trying, and uh, and I do think he's taking uh, criticism. Of course, when you've been up for a month, and then that weekend you've been up all weekend trying to make sure things are running, and somebody comes to you. Um, you're not hearing right, but I think anybody that reaches out to Mark says, hey, Mark, I like this about your match. I didn't like this. I think Mark is very receptive to that, and uh, and he, he's really trying, so shout out to those guys, but uh, they do need some porta potties. For us guys, it ain't no big deal, uh, but when you're trapped and you can't go backwards because there's other stages you got to go through, yeah. uh, a couple of I was thinking of Tanner having to, like, squat and take a poop just in the middle. <laughs> That wouldn't work at uh, ASC there in Illinois because it's one giant flat range. So yeah. I would have been just in the parking lot, just hanging out, chilling with people. <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't have been good. Hey, but, uh, that's, Tanner's pants are so tight, it takes him like five minutes to go in. So I had um, a mom literally at that match, though, poop in front of my truck. This is real. It's real life, guys. So if people are like, <laughs> like this is real, sh- literally real shit. So no joke. Next year, um, they make a like canopy drop like thing from your truck with the roof rack where it's a bathroom. And I'm thinking about investing in one. <laughs> Might not be a bad idea. I would might use it more than I think I would. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that might not be a bad idea. That's why everybody needs to get somebody to travel with, though, is you get these stories that are just funny. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the big stories we've told, but every, I mean, it's almost every day we get something. I mean, staying stay in an Airbnb that the only entrance is in the front, but the parking's in the back, and it just rained all weekend, so you had to, like, walk around the block. It's just funny, Aaron just squealing up in front in the mom van at the time. I jump out the side, go in the front door. He parks in the back, and then I let him in the back door. 
um, stuff like that. Staying at an Airbnb where the guy met us on a golf cart with a 30 pack of beer and it was like eight in the morning. And I don't know that he ever went to sleep the entire weekend we were there. He was wanting to shoot his 50 cal out by our house. I mean, just dude was a lunatic. Um, you just can't beat stuff like that. Um, we're staying there again this year. I, I just tried to book that same guy, the 30 pack guy that's wanting to shoot his 50 cal. Yep. He was, he was awesome. He was legit awesome. I, I mean, think he, we all need to stay in the prison together. Cause there was like eight beds, nine beds, my own female penitentiary. And then you guys in the back. <laughs> that was legit, dude. Everybody needs to travel with people for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Wrapping up ish, but uh, matches in general, matches. I want to know what's y'all's like favorite kind of uh, stages to shoot. What's your strength or fun ones? Um, I'll first off matches. Uh, I, I like difficult things. I like to challenge myself, my body. Blue line is very near and dear to me uh, because you can shoot three days, so you can really. Where else can you shoot a major? You shoot it three different times and. The practice there is amazing because you can shoot it three different ways and you can really develop what's what's the best way to shoot something. Uh, but Matt uh, Tank, you know, he does a great job at Mission 22. He goes, you know, he goes kind of some of the old rules where every target is optional. So you can shoot it with any gun. You can shoot paper with a shotgun along with the slug. Slug, it's dollar, and, dollar fifty. <laughs> well, but the thing is that a match like that, where most matches, a stage is going to be shot three different ways by 100 people. There's only three different ways to shoot the stage. If 100 people shoot it, it's going to be three different options. At Tank's match, if 100 people shoot that stage, it's probably been shot 87 different ways. Nice. And that's that's when it's really, I like that. There was actually a stage me and Tanner walked one year up there that or that might actually been in Missouri. The one we walked up there, Missouri had one like that that was optional. Yeah. We walked that stage for an hour and a half. <laughs> I can close my eyes right now. I can too. And, and walk <laughs> that stage because we spent so much time. But you go yeah. to that match, you look at practice score, and I think we finished in the. I think both of us finished in the top five, and there were some beast shooters at that match That's cool. because the well, playing in there. So I like, I like ones that that make you think. And and it's more than shooting. You have to either push your body past the limit that your body wants to go, or you have to push your brain past the limit of what your brain can do. Which very small for y'all. Yeah, which you know, I mean, if you got more than two targets, you got us thinking. But um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's what I like, and that's why those are two of my favorite matches. So shout out to Bruce and Tobin for Blue Line, and shout out to Tank for Mission Twenty Two. Uh, those are two matches. I'll be honest. If I only get to shoot two matches this year, those are the two matches I'm shooting because they they do such a good job of punishing you for not thinking. Yeah, no, it's good. I uh, it's funny that stage he talks about. I can still I can still shoot it by memory. And um, the rest of our squad was at a severe disadvantage when they got to that stage. Aaron and I. 90 minutes might actually be less than we spent on it. We spent a long time the day before. And it was funny that night in the hotel room, Aaron would be like, what are you doing? And I would just roll off the numbers, this position, bop, 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 this position, bop, 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 bop. And he would do the same. And it's back and forth. We had the same stage plan. And him and I, first and second, our squad really high as far as um, overall placement on that stage. And then in Missouri, that all pistol stage this last year, Aaron, 
I can still shoot every position of that. I think I got either second or third overall in the match on that stage, and it was because of the time spent. I'm, I'm the same as Aaron. I like um, – if it's easy, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to push my body to its limit. Um, my mind limit is far less than my body's limit. But I, I like doing both. I like, I like having a stage plan. I like having to – I don't know. It's it's at that point of when you are uncomfortable. I think it, I like to live uncomfortably, if that makes sense. And I like to shoot uncomfortably, uh, not unsafe. We're not saying pushing past the point of safety, but I like if, if I'm comfortable, I don't really want to do it. It's not fun. Yeah, I, I to, yeah, I want to feel when I when I leave like that was the most torturous, fun thing I could ever do in my life, and it makes no sense. But that's always and that's the way. That's why Aaron and I get along. That's the exact way he is. Um, when I become comfortable, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And that's why, like, like UML rules, um, people don't know it. Like that requires you to shoot at least two guns per stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like just being able to be flexible. I mean, you get to play to your strengths. So I do hate the ones where it's like, this is shotgun only. This is pistol only. This is rifle only. You can only do this. This is this. It's like, where's the multi-gun aspect to it? To yeah, I call that shooting by numbers, kind of like painting by numbers. Yeah. I don't enjoy that much. Um, if there's a, obviously in every match, there's going to be a portion of a stage where it's like, hundred percent of people are going to use the rifle here. That's going to happen. But, um, but like I was penalized for shooting a white steel. What's a white steel shotgun or pistol, right? Normally. Yeah. It was all supposed to be all shotguns. Like, well, if it's supposed to be all shotgun, then why isn't it a clay? (laughs) So I'm going to, if I run out of shotgun, I'm going to dump that and go pistol. Yeah, I like options. Um, another good one, Wisconsin, Aaron will agree. I've shot Wisconsin two years in a row. I will shoot it again this next year. For sure. It is very well ran. Vortex took it over this year. It's very, very well ran. It's a good match. Shout out to those guys. Did um, y'all play the the playoffs or whatever? The league? What was it called? I did not. I oh, did okay. Not. I don't have Aaron, you're not online, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, internet stuff I don't have time for. I, I used to post on Instagram all the time, but now I can only post once a week because I get banned every time. I'm on a temporary block right now. It's your mustache. I'm sorry. (laughs) So the 4th of November, like literally every post, every post, they're like, this goes against community guidelines. It doesn't matter if it's a post of my croc. They're like, yep, that's against community guidelines. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. It said croc, right? Croc, yeah. My croc! (laughs) (laughs) Just one. Just one croc. (laughs) Damn it. Damn it. This is why I have y'all as friends. Um... (laughs) And y'all's opinions, I know three guns changed a lot. Um, I've, I'm pretty new to it. But do you think like what the future of three gun looks like as far as like regional or across the country or even with the ammo stuff, if it continues, what does that look like? Well, I know for us here in Kentucky, when Rock Castle shut down, we took a blow. Our yeah. local area, Kentucky had, and arguably, I mean, I, people from other states will always argue their states, but Kentucky was probably one of the top three or four states as far as um, – quality of major match finished shooters um for a while and it's because it was concentrated around rock castle we had a lot of shooters that were very seasoned i mean when i started three gun here in 2015 that's when i started shooting um shooting in general really um you could go to four majors a year without getting 45 minutes from your house and they were majors it was blue ridge it was rock hard it was pro-am it was the three-man three gun Uh, i mean it was over and over and over again and you could be it was about surrounding yourself with high quality shooters so our locals have died off i've not shot one local in 2021 i've only shot major matches only shot major matches i didn't even make it to aaron's matches this year just because of the where they fail yeah and it wasn't because i wanted didn't want to it's just 
yeah. either guns not being around, um, shipping them back and forth and whatever. <laughs> it, but that happens. I know. Uh, I didn't make it to one local. So I think um, the places that do have a local uh, match, it goes back to what Aaron said earlier. We don't have to elaborate because of time, but it's about making it accessible for as many people as possible. And sometimes that means we might have to do a division that's not normal. We might have to do a rule that's not normal. We might do a target set that's not normal, but it's about including multiple people because hopefully, hopefully, as we can all agree, this ammo shortage, this whatever, it won't last forever. Uh, it, it ebbs and flows. We see it throughout our uh, the history, previous history, that it goes up and down. And so it's about making local matches accessible. But I think it is, for a lot of us, unfortunately, it's gone to kind of a major-only schedule. Aaron and I would both probably agree that we pretty much only shoot majors. The only locals I know that Aaron shoots right now are the ones that he puts on. You know why he shoots them? He puts them on. So somebody's got to test the stages, and that falls on the match director. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's going to go to majors, and it's interesting the way we've seen majors go, too. Some majors have gone ammo-conscious, and some have – not. I like the way Bruce did Blue Line this year. It was ammo conscious, but it was a way that you didn't know it was. So it's like, this is a target count, not a round count. You better be good. That that type of thing. So that's that's where I think they're going. Uh, Aaron can fill in more. He's a match director. I don't run matches. I, I try to help. I RO. I don't run matches. But that's where I see it for me going is I'm going to shoot. We pretty much, we were talking about our matches earlier, shoot one major a month for the yep. shooting season. Um, and that's just because of work stuff. We would shoot more if we could, but we're adults. We got bills. So <laughs> at least I have bills for a little bit longer. So. I, I think, I, I think multi-gun as a whole is at this point is in trouble. I, I feel that way. Uh, a lot of your majors that, that are true majors, because here's the thing. What is a major? Right. That, that's a good question. You know, what is a thousand dollars and your time and your, well, yeah, but yeah, you know, a major, you know, people are going to say a hundred people. Well, on good years, my two-man three-gun will do close to 100 people. So it's, I don't look at it as a major. It's a, um, so with that, with that being said, um, the most important thing is the, the, it's going to die if our locals die. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have locals, not many people will be brave enough or in my case, dumb enough to show up to uh, a major event as your first three gun. Yeah. You know, I mean, right, you know, somebody never never shot three gun before, and they show up to blue line. I mean, they're gonna die. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they would um, never come back. High value target. Fuck my life. <laughs> no, they probably will never come back because they will actually die. He's not talking right. about emotionally. They they oh, might have to. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> for for most of us, you know, like blue line, I mean that's that's three days of five minute stages. I mean, some of us it's just one stage for like a minute and a half. I mean, that's we won't name no names. But uh but anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to. Um but any anyway honestly, um, that thought though i'm honestly that was the best match ever to dq from in the entire world because i could have kept shooting with the option like no i'm out i wouldn't um, have made it i wouldn't have made it i'd be on a stretcher um, before the end of it and, and that's the thing when you when you get into you need to understand that and by going to and that's why i'm going back to the locals things the locals are important yep. so if you're a shooter help at your local matches uh because you're going to know a guy's going to come there and tell you like a guy like me. If somebody says, 
what's the best major for me to go to? I can tell them what a good major to go to is to get their feet wet and learn one that the people are a little looser with the rules. So they're probably not going to be DQ'd because there's, there's a lot of great match directors that are going to fight for you not to get DQ'd. Again, Chad Francis is a good one. Bruce is a good one. Um, you know, you go down, these guys are gonna be like, okay, this happened, but what, you know, Mark, Mark, um, uh, well, I always say his name, coffee. uh, Mark is good. He, he's good at not getting people DQ, but you, uh, that that's important. And, uh, and you meet people and, and, and there are club heroes that people look up to or whatever, you know, I remember when I got in the sport, man, locally here, you, you take like Joseph Gunfrey, Brian Ray. Brian Vault. You take those guys and you see their name at the top of the list, these locals. Well, you go gravitate toward these guys and you're like, hey, I want to do more than I'm doing. Where should I go? And they send you off to these little, the smaller majors and let you get your feet wet and you learn and you grow in the sport. If we do that, the sport will continue to grow. But we have to have the locals. Without that, without the locals, if everybody's just thinking major matches and prize tables, it's, it's over. We're done. Yeah. So that's that's what we need to focus on. That's like that's near and dear to me. That's why I'm at my local range trying to do what I can do because we need to be doing that. I like the idea of the Microtech Pro Am. Neither of us have shot it yet, um, but partnering a someone that would call themselves an amateur with someone who, by match finish, I think they did it by like percentage of match finish, was a pro. I think that's an excellent idea in lieu of local matches. So you we've got to figure out. Yeah. Look at next year, though. What Clinton House is coming out, though, for those listening, like Tar Heel 3-Gun coming back. There's a team match for Tar Heel 3-Gun. Then you've got USPSA Nationals in there. Um, and, like, Donnie's doing a lot of stuff like that. So, yeah, Clinton House would be the – I think that's the place that's going to grow that multi-gun next year. It's like well, – it's a mentorship and an apprenticeship. I mean, that's the way people used to get into jobs. You wanted to be a blacksmith, you apprenticed for somebody. If you wanted to get into HVAC or welding or whatever, and that's kind of how we need to treat our sport a little bit is we need to move past our egos, move past the names on our jerseys, and really take care of the next generation of shooters. And that may or may not be a junior. It might be somebody that's in their 40s that just piqued interest. I didn't start as a junior shooter. But I didn't shoot previous to when I started. And it was because of people around me that took interest in me as a person and didn't see me as somebody that they could run over. You know, a lot of people for fear of getting beat may or may not mentor someone else. You know, it's we need to stand up for each other. I, I've told Aaron and Aaron said it back to me multiple times. I don't want to beat him. He doesn't want to beat me. I don't want to beat anybody because they had a malfunction. I want to beat you because I shot better than you. And so that should mean that I'm willing to mentor. I'm willing to speak uh, truth into your life and get you to the point where you're comfortable shooting. And then if you beat me, well, that's kind of a job well done for me too. You know, um, that's how we advance our sport for sure. So I have to interrupt yeah. here and then I'll let you talk, Aaron. So Aaron shared that he owns a junkyard, which is awesome. Tanner, he needs to share what he does for work. Cause that was the perfect line to come from his job. What do you do, Tanner? <laughs> oh, I call Aaron a can collector. He collects cans for a living and somehow he's made a way to make a good livelihood for himself doing it. I, however, I, uh, I work for a church. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. Um, it's not a great living. <laughs> There's a lot of stress. About, no, it's great. Um, it's a calling of mine. And that is, I do carry a lot of that into the, the shooting sports. And I hope people recognize that about my personality is I want to do well myself, but I want you to do well. And it's not just in shooting. I want your attitude to be well. I, I I really want to speak life into people. Um, we're surrounded every day 
by people telling us we have reasons to feel disadvantaged. We have reasons to feel negative. And we really, truly don't. We don't. We're really blessed. And I think if we could turn off the news and surround ourselves with good people, if you're a person of faith, surround yourself with faith, um, you can excel in those areas. And so that, that's what I do. I'm a pastor. I love it. It does give me the flexibility. It, it, it does make missing Sunday hard <laughs> for majors. That's why that honestly, Aaron would probably shoot more majors if I could. We shoot one a month because I can, I can miss church once a month and have somebody cover for me. Um, it starts getting hard if it's like every week. Yeah. Um, but it does give me the flexibility to really practice, to really take off and do things. So that's, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's awesome. I had to have you share that because I think a lot of what you're talking about comes from that. Yeah. And I, I think, I hope that people recognize that on the range. I don't, I don't brag about being a pastor because I want people to ask. I want people to recognize that, Hey, this guy does carry himself differently or, or even just, Hey, I enjoy being around him. His humor is cool. Maybe not. Yes. He's not but you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I want people, I want people to recognize that, um, there's, there's been a barrier put up for a long time between, um, the church and the world. And yes, the church is set apart. It's different than the world, but sometimes we put barriers in places they don't need to be. And I, I like to be approachable. I like to get out there and shoot and, and make fun of myself, make fun of other people, throw rocks at Aaron when he's doing something dumb. I like to do that because it, it's, this is real life. Listen, we're all in this together. From the moment you were born, you started to die. You're no different than me. From the moment I was born, I started to die. You're one, you're one day closer to death. And um, we need to enjoy our time here together. So um, I don't push faith on people, but if they want to talk about it, I'd love to. That's cool. Aaron, um, I, you're I, I, need, I need to jump on that for sure. When me and Tanner first met, I guess the reason why we kind of connected so well is I was actually working with the youth at my church at the time. And I'm big into my church. And uh, something I want to say about this sport is some of my closest friends in sport, of course, Tanner's a good friend of mine and he's a pastor, but I, I won't name shout here, but I can think of three people in the sport. I've stayed at some of their houses. Mm -hmm. I've ate with their families. I am super close to them. Guys right now that could call me that live six, seven hours from me and I would be at their house as fast as I get there are full on atheists, full on atheists. And it's funny because we'll be talking and we'll be messing back and forth or texting to, you know, to one of those guys. And I'll, you know, they'll be going through something. I'll be like, man, I'm praying for you. And they'll be like, you know, I don't believe that, but thanks for thinking about me. Yeah. And in the same way, like I'll be going through something that they'll, they'll text me and they're like, Hey brother, we're pulling for you. Thinking good thoughts. And so we're talking about, and uh, let's just say, let's put it this way, a Christian and a, and a, and an atheist. We'll use that for example, in this sport, our brothers. Yeah. I mean, I'm brothers with those guys. And the same way, uh, you know, Jimmy Bones uh, at Blue Line, me and Jimmy, you know, uh, what's what's the what can I even say online now? Jimmy's black and I'm white. Can I say that online without offending somebody? Because we're in such a butthurt world. But, you know, Jimmy's a police officer that the police officers are taking so much crap right now. Well, Jimmy's a black police officer, you know. And me and him are cutting up, going back and forth, you know, and just having a good time. And it's actually said at one of the matches we were running behind, Jimmy was in our group, and somebody goes, oh, we're all running behind because there's a black guy in our group. You know, anywhere else in the world, there's going to be a fight. Yeah. You know, Jimmy laughs, we laugh, because let me ask you this. If, if there's a black guy in my group in, in the real world and not just the shooting sports, and I don't make fun of him, like I'm making fun of everybody else. 
but I don't make fun of him. Isn't that racist? Yeah. Ain't I treating him different? You know, and in this sport, it's not like that. I don't care if you're Christian, atheist, black, white, female, male. Um, everybody is a brother and sister to each other. And there's so much love there. I mean, I guarantee you right now, I can go on my Facebook right now and put, I'm having marital problems or I'm having financial problems. The first 20 people that hit my messenger are going to be three gunners before my family can respond. Three gunners will respond and say, what do you need? Do you need support? Do you need money? Do you need, so you, you tell me, I mean, all I can say is that's America. And, uh, (laughs) That's the way it's supposed to be, you know. On that, let's go, Brandon. Let's throw that out there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's that's America, right? That's oh, the way it's supposed to be. How many sports, too, still do the uh, national anthem or actually do the Pledge of Allegiance? And, you know, I get chills because I never see it and hear it. I used it every single day in school. Yeah, and now man. when I go to shooting events, Mike Dell's singing. You know what I mean? Yeah, my shout worst, out to, my worst shout out to Mike Dell. I got to say this. Sorry, Tanner. I got to shout out to Mike Dell. First major I go to, I see this big guy. And if you know Mike Dell, he ain't no baby. Uh, he's got this guy just lean back, and he's over top of him, just grilling him over something unsafe he did, right? Because that's Mike Dell. Then, and that's in the RO shoot, right? Next day, we all get there. We go to take off, and this guy sings like an angel. You know, I'm like, how was that big guy? So that's what I love about it. You just don't know. You you don't know in the sport about. And then there's people in our sport that had trouble getting the money to make this match. Then there's other people in our sport that have, I mean, the lives we all dream of. You know, you wouldn't know the difference between the two till you get to know some kind of personal level because everybody's just equal. I mean, it, it's hard to say, it, but everybody's equal. And that's what's so great. Yeah, one big family. That's that's just what we can close on that with. I'm not going to say what I was going to say before, but uh, yeah, one big family. Uh, <laughs> when he went to Mike Dale singing like an angel, we're just gonna we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna let that one lie where where it where it may. Um, what I was hey, gonna I say, I don't know music, but hey, Mike Dale, if you're listening, I said you're great. Tanner said not so huh. much. That's what he that said. Is, that's, that's, that's not what, what said, I. This is recorded, so you can tell what's the truth. <laughs> Yeah, that is not what I said, because he does. He's got a very, very good voice. Um, I think we we're just going to go back to the national anthem, and it is it is cool that it's a bunch of people gathering around the same thing but recognizing where the freedom to do that comes from. But then Aaron went the route of singing the national anthem and then twisted my words around, Mike Dale, or bros, you do sing very well. <laughs> and he drinks he's trying to get hurt. He drinks some good liquor, too. Yeah. Mike brings the best. Yeah. He is connected. He, I don't know that I've ever seen Mike Dale without a cigar in his mouth. True. When he's sure singing. When he's singing. Actually, yeah. Okay, but it's probably in his hand. You know, it's like <laughs> he's the only guy I know that can like smoke between syllables. Yeah, it's awesome. It's right. awesome. Yeah. But no, it, it is. It's it's cool to be united by something, and that's I gravitate towards the shooting sports kind of because it is family, and in church for me is family. But like Aaron said, um, it's two distinct families, but two families I wouldn't trade for anything they might be dysfunctional they might be crazy but they're they're mine and that's that's cool and um Aaron did say it it's the salt of the earth people um they'll reach out oh for instance so I live in Louisville everybody knows what happened in Louisville over the last couple years torn apart by riots 
um, you know, hard to get back and forth because of, you know, police brutality and riots happening in our streets that popped up every day, some of which got close to my house. I mean, really close. And it, I don't know that a week went by without like three or four different people, Aaron being one of them saying, hey, I, I can come up and we can, you know, I'll sit in your living room. Stuff breaks off. You've got a battle, buddy, because I know you'll be asleep. Yeah, but it was it was every day. And um, that's cool. I don't know any other group of people that would do that. You know, I will risk life, limb, take off days from work to come and just make you comfortable in your environment right now. That's, that's neat. Yeah. So uh, one of my final questions for you guys, um, then I'll wrap this up is for 2022. uh, Do you guys have a list of where you'll be and like matches that, you know, someone hits you up and says, Hey, I need to borrow something that, you know, they could come join you or squad with you or whatever. Yeah, of course. Um, if you want to borrow open gear, that would be me. Uh, Aaron would probably give you anything he had as well, but I'll let him speak for himself. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we kind of have a, a list that's rough, but uh, Blue Line's obviously on that list at, at Lucas Oil. It's a phenomenal match. If you can get in, uh, plan to do that. At least shoot it one time. Everybody should shoot it one time and have the experience of a five minutes of absolute chaos where you just want life to end. Or a minute and a half that you want life. Or a minute and a half before you trip on some rocks and eat eat dirt. Um, we'll do we'll do Wisconsin uh, three gun again, three gun championship that is put on by Vortex. Um, Aaron uh, Missouri three gun we talked about. Uh, Aaron's got some too. We we talked earlier oh, yeah. over the last week about it. Yeah, blue blue line is a definite. Vortex is a definite. Uh, you know the Wisconsin match. Yep. Mission twenty two got to make Mission twenty two. Uh, the only downside that's Illinois. Everybody hates Illinois, right? But I, I, on that shout out to all the signs in Illinois we drove through this year, and there were some great signs. Great <laughs> yeah. signs. Not not necessarily as good as going to Missouri, where you got the Uranus Fudge Factory. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some great signs. But uh, I like Great Lakes. Uh, I think Mark's growing that. He's trying Gen Three. Uh, that's for you. Better bring a pocket full of money because them kids are going to hit you up for money all. But I mean, that's our youth. That's the next generation, Gen 3. Uh, I want to shoot Clinton House. Yeah. Uh, my, the Pro-Am, minus all that. Their gimmick is they got that one-mile whatever when you get your one-mile badge or whatever. Oh, I, I want my one-mile badge. Yeah. That's that's enough to get me you, there right there. Can you see a mile? Do what? <laughs> can I see a mile? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can see half a mile. Top of the rifle. I can see half a mile. Yeah. Then you got uh, – we want to go to Texas this year. There's yeah. a lot of good shooters in Texas. Uh, we'd like to make that a trip where maybe our wives can go. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, two-man oh. three-gun, shout out, shout out to that. Got to make the two-man three-gun. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Missouri. Missouri's got good matches. They're three-gun. Uh, you know, they got that three-gun championship. We try to get down there because, honestly, if you want to know where you stand in the world, go to Texas or Missouri. There's some high-level shooters there for sure. Um, shout out to those guys. They, they've teamed up, supported each other and man, they're, they're tough. Yeah. We want to do mission 22 has a cool team match option. Uh, we've not gotten enough Kentucky shooters do it. It's not a team match in the sense that you're shooting together, but it's the top five finishers from each state against each other in the rankings. And you get trophies based off that. We've never got any other Kentucky guys to come with us. Um, so Aaron and I both have finished highly in the last two years. We just need three other suckers to come and shoot with us. So if you're in Kentucky, you listen to this. Sam Bunnell, Brian Ray, Brian Bott, Bruce Davidson. Let's go. My money let's is on shoot. all of them versus y'all. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, for, for real. Yeah, um, but those those are some matches we want to do. I kind of hope the local scene kicks back up a little bit. I want to be able to give back to the sport some um, in time and ammo and effort. And even if I got to go to a match and just mentor somebody and let them use my gear, that's completely fine. It's fun to watch I mean, them take photos and just yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, no. It was crazy. When I first started in 2015, 2016, 2017 in Kentucky, I could shoot three gun three or four weekends out of the month and not travel more than two and a half hours from my house. Yeah. Um, it's not, it doesn't exist like that anymore. And I hope it does. I, I know COVID kind of killed a lot of it. Ammo killed a lot of it. And I've just missed some this year. I mean, it, ultimately we all have excuses. I didn't get to shoot um, in Wilmore, which is close to Lexington. I didn't right. get to shoot in Owensboro, uh, but it's been a weird year for people transitioning. So I like it. Guys, any uh, final thoughts you want to leave, <laughs> leave listeners with? No, I would uh, say be a good ambassador for yourself, for your companies. Um, like Aaron said, with the jerseys, whether you wear one or not, uh, I, I do. It's not because I necessarily care if I do. I've shot in T-shirts too. But be a good ambassador. Things in life are more important than shooting. And um, you can make yourself look like a fool and make people not respect you. You have one name, and that's your last name. And, and people are going to view that. And Aaron and I both talked extensively about that. I don't care if people think I'm a good shooter. I want people to think I'm a good person. And uh, that's that's what I, I take with me to the range. I want people to enjoy their time around me. Whether I, I don't care if they remember one stage I shot. I just want them to enjoy their time. So be a good ambassador. Um, respect yourself. Respect other people. What do you got, Aaron? Uh, yeah. Su- support the ones that support the sports. When you're buying gear or you're telling people to buy gear, the ones that are on the prize table, uh, you know, support those people, support the people putting on the matches. I mean, they're, they're taking time away from their family energy. A lot of them put their own money in these matches. A lot of them, you know, like I guarantee you tank and the guys that do mission 22 and all these, they're not taking money out of that. It's all going to mission 22. They're yeah. probably paying for a lot of that out of their pocket. Um, you know, tell them guys, it's a good match. You know, if one little thing goes wrong, shut up and eat it. You know, yep. tell them it's a good match. Support those guys. Support new shooters. If you're not supporting new shooters, I don't care who you are, where you go, what you do, you're bad for the sport. New shooters are where it's at. Take time, and the better you are, the more you need to support good shooters because they're looking at your name. Because yep. every new shooter comes to the range thinking they're going to win the first match. They're going to be the next whoever, top shooter, put insert name. But the truth of the matter is, they've looked at your name. So if you treat them good when they come to the range, they're going to stick with the sport. If you don't, just remember, you were the new guy one time, and somebody took time to invest in you. I mean, I work with Tanner all the time, and he's finally getting good. I mean, he's had a lucky year. I'll get him next year. Yeah. Also, Kenzie, I know we live in a day and age where podcasts are a thing and Instagram and stuff. Don't get don't beat up yourself when you view somebody else's stage on Instagram too, because like I I run an Instagram. I do that. And trust me, most of the videos that are taken don't make it on there. And it's because Aaron's pointing them at the ground or he's got his thumb in front of the camera. It's not <laughs> the way I shot. <laughs> and he recorded mine. He got the perfect stage video. No, listen, I've got, I, I should, I, listen, everybody, I don't know what date this releases. Kenzie, text me before it releases. Okay. The day it releases, I'll upload a video to Instagram that Aaron took. And I think only the top half of my head's in it. And then you catch part of his thumb and then you catch the unload and show clear. And we'll upload that because I don't care that people see that. Um, but yeah, so that's, 
Don't beat yourself up, though. Let's be honest. Uh, people live in a fake world where we only post the good things that happen in our life. Be, be honest with people. Um, yeah. You're not going to shoot every stage at the top of your ability. So that's fine. And even when you do, your your battle buddy's probably got his thumb in the way of the camera. So, <laughs> I, mean, I have the opposite problem. Dawn's videoing me, and I can't stay in the video. Like, you just see me fall, and, like, there's no Kenzie. And he's still watching me, but the video's up here where it should be. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, the excuse is he really genuinely cares about the way I shoot so much that he gets caught up watching me shoot and he doesn't film. And I'm like, Aaron, you can look through the camera too. Like it's a two inch group. It works. But I only I, have I, one eye. I only got one eye. <laughs> it's hard to see through there. I mean, when you pick the blind guy to shoot your videos and you don't get good videos, whose fault really is it? I'm just saying. Guys, this has been fun. Um, the last thing I want to do is just kind of like, you touched on it, Aaron, is shout out to sponsors or just people that support us. I know Tanner and I met because we're both on Team Timber Creek and we were with Ballistic Advantage. I mean, these companies connected us um, in a big way. So do you guys want to share just those people that, you know, help you guys out? Um, um, companies, I think people, people are huge. Uh, Garrett Grover from Timber Creek, awesome ambassador for the sport. Um, that's what I gravitate towards. Yes, there are companies, we see their logos on all the banners, on all the prize tables, go to those companies. But here's the thing. I take flack. Anybody that looks at me on Instagram is going to see some of the people I'm sponsored by that are not popular. Shoot what you want to shoot. Uh, listen, I, I don't need I don't need anybody to give me a scope. I don't need anybody to give me a trigger. I shoot what I want to shoot. If those companies decide that they see monetary value in my influence, then that's fine. So um, I, that's that's all I have to say about that because you shoot what you want to shoot. It's not about if if you've got to rely on a freeze whatever to put on your gun. You may not want to shoot three gun. You know, yeah. you you probably should just get what you want to shoot and shoot it and enjoy your time. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no anything that's going to make you a better shooter. It's it's time on the range. It's going to do it. But ambassadors of sport, uh, shout out to those that came like way before us, like the Brian Rays, the Brian Botts. We've mentioned them a lot. Those dudes in Kentucky are probably the most influential three gunners. And I don't know that they'll ever see this, but they're the reason I wanted to shoot, you know, watching three gun nation. I sent a screen grab off of YouTube the other day, watching an old three gun nation where Brian Ray literally looked like a child. And it cracked me up. Cause I was like, I know him. I know him. And I took a picture and sent it to him. He's like, where did you even find that? I love it. So no, like Brian Ray, Brian bought the, the influencers like Garrett, Garrett Grover is a dude that he embodies everything we just talked about. He wants you to do good. He doesn't want to beat you because you did bad. He'll give you range advice. Um, so those type of guys, um, Bruce Davidson for working hard, Tobin for taking care of junior shooters. Tobin uh, does what a lot of people don't. Mike Dale for taking care of junior shooters. Um, and then, of course, the people that do support us, that's cool. Thank you all. You know who you are. You don't need my thanks. You would do well without me. So, Aaron, you got people? Um, you know, I don't – you know, nobody nobody sponsors a guy that comes in last, right? Uh, oh, uh, but anyway, wow. uh, we uh, – <laughs> I do want to shout out to the people that support us. Uh, Athlon, man, they come into the sport guns a-blazing. I mean, they're dropping stuff on junior shooters like crazy. They've done a lot. You know, Kevin, uh, good guy. Wear pants. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any guy that could pull off a kilt would do well. So uh, maybe Kevin will one day when he pulls off the kilt. Uh, uh, there's a hundred jokes to tell there. But anyway, um, no, Athlon, they do so much. I just want to give a shout out to them. Uh, you we go these places and you know vortex is a great company vortex puts out great stuff but man these new guys getting in the sport and stuff like that 
you know, I'm not saying don't buy that $2,000 scope. I'm not saying don't buy that $5,000 rifle, man. I, I, American defense hit me. <laughs> I want one of your rifles. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, no, I'm still shooting the same stuff I started with pretty much minus my pistol. Um, because this sport costs a lot. And, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. You know, if you're a new shooter, spend your money on ammo, not necessarily gear. You buy decent gear and practice a lot. You'll do well. You can, you can spend a million bucks and not practice none. You're going to be at the bottom. Uh, but, uh, just every company the sports, if you're on a prize table anywhere in this sport, I don't care if you donate 25 bucks or 25,000, we love you. Thank you for what you do for our sports. We can't say that enough. I, I'm not a computer guy. So y'all know, y'all know this. People don't know how bad it really is. Y'all do. But, uh, you know, I don't, my Facebook, I share a few videos or whatever, but, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, everybody that has somewhere to reach out and give people props reach out and and after every match i don't care if all you got is a facebook page or i don't care if you just call your grandma on the phone afterwards tell her thank you you know if it, these are the people that sponsored us and made this possible and thank you kenzie for reaching out to us i know we're friends i know we're pals we're you know i mean this was a cool experience for me uh the truth of the matter is big events and stuff are awesome yeah. shout out to all those people but when i got my first invite to the super secret which y'all talked about that I ain't mentioned yet till now. Uh, I thought I'd made it big time. I, I was one of them, you know. I mean, but way. you and I went to a super, super, super secret event, and we won like five dollar items, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so awesome. you, you take all that. Now I'm on a podcast. I mean, <laughs> what what's next? I mean, the the sky's the, the limit. I'm, I'm moving on up. Here's the thing, Aaron. The thing that Kenzie's not telling us is what. She's going to post this just as like, you know, reticle up podcast number, whatever, with no names, because more people will watch it if there's not names attached to it. Then they think, oh. they look and they're like, who's Tanner? And I don't even like Aaron. That guy's got <laughs> one eye. Uh, so also, if you're if you like to humor and make it fun of yourself, three gun memes is hilarious. Um, companies that I support oftentimes are like at the they make fun of our shooters and I love it. I, I can't get over if you don't take yourself too seriously. I love looking on there and going, they're making fun of me. That's perfect. Um, so jump on there. Uh, don't take yourself too seriously and, and life will be a lot easier on you. I think I'm going to name this podcast thing one and thing two. That's what I'm, I'm there. Perfect. Uh, can, I, can I be two? Oh Anything yeah. You'll figure out which one. Just go see my Facebook post. But, uh, hey, he's used to being second. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That was perfect. Guys, this is awesome. Um, last thing, and you can say it in one breath or try to. Tanner, what is your social media for people to follow you? Oh, uh, Tanner period royalty is my Facebook. If we're friends, add me. If we're not friends, don't. Um, Tanner underscore royalties Instagram. Uh, expect to see one post a week and then radio silence while I'm banned for whatever weird. Ha I've tried different hashtags. I think I hashtag something like cheeseburger the other day and it was a gun and I got banned again. So uh, yeah, jump on there. Um, but yeah, no, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, I've, I've had new shooters connect and uh, guys that talk about gear. One breath. Yeah. If got, yeah. If you've got questions about gear or whatever, Facebook, if not Instagram, <laughs> Aaron, how uh, do people find you? Hey, it's simple. Aaron Willis, Facebook. If you see this face, it's me. Uh, that's, that's all I do. Uh, You'll get no, out uh, address for a, yeah. a snail mail letter. Yeah, he snail mail. <laughs> no, um, truth of the matter, if you're in the Kentucky area, 
Uh, ORPCI is uh, the Orangeboro Pistol and Rifle Club. That's my local range. That's where I support. That's where I'm at. If you want to get in the sport, if you want to know anything, come see us. I don't care what you got. Uh, show up. We're there for you. Uh, you can come be an idiot like the rest of us because that's, uh, that's who we are. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, I try to get it through sooner, but you know, we're, <laughs> we're at this time. I love it. <laughs> this, this is one of my favorite episodes. I knew it was going to be fun. So thanks for listening. So if you're still here, good job. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.